Hey, are you ready for vacation yet? Yep, all set. Really? That's what you're bringing? Yeah, yeah, it's the essentials. Smoke Night Live is brought to you in part by Espinosa Premium Cigars. Amp up your daily smoke with Espinosa Premium Cigars' signature Nicaraguan character. Whether you're a Maduro maniac, a Habano junkie, or simply looking to dial your flavor intensity to 11, smoke Espinosa every day. Here we are, ladies and gentlemen. This is Smoke Night Live, episode 405. Holy cow! It's the Christmas special, hence I'm wearing my favorite Christmas sweater. Let's get a glimpse of that thing. Jordan, I know you're wearing your... Uh, oh, yeah. Your Christmas sweater. There you go. Oh, We've got a great studio audience tonight. We've got Scotty B. Look at him over there. No Christmas sweater. Loser. No Christmas sweater. Connor, our resident bourbon no expert. No Christmas sweater. Loser. What a loser. And of course, Maddie, he's wearing a Christmas sweater. Good job. Thank you, Matt, for doing what you got to do. We are going to be hanging out tonight. This is great. Uh, we have not had Skip Martin on the show in a long time, and Skip was so generous to actually make the trip out here. Like, Skip, uh, when when we decided to do the show, a couple days later, you were like, hey, I need I need to get sneak some miles in. Or I needed, <laughs> I needed uh, P PQPs or whatever United yeah. calls it. <laughs> and so you're like, how about if I fly out there? And we were like, that would be incredible. Like, uh, that doesn't happen very often. So thank you so yeah. much for taking the time to... I gotta maintain my status. I know. I mean, I, I believe me. I'm. I, I'm not nearly where you are, work but I the get system, it. Baby. I, I get it. You gotta work the system. I try to work the system. I don't do it well enough. But um, <laughs> guys, if you're watching the show right now, you're tuning in. We're gonna be t chatting with uh, Skip Martin on the show. It's gonna be a blast. We've got some really cool topics to uh, to go over. Maybe it'll get. Maybe it'll get controversial. Maybe it won't. Who knows? We don't. We don't know what'll happen. I think we're Maybe. starting off with the uh, Colorado Supreme Court decision, right? Is <laughs> yeah. where we're starting? That's exactly <laughs> where we're starting. But hey, if you're watching the show right now on YouTube or Facebook, please like, please share, share the show to your own timeline right now. It just feels so good to share with your friends when you're hanging out. I know this is a late start time. And uh, we normally go an hour earlier, but uh, Skip's flight was a little later, so we pushed the show back an hour. So thank you guys for, for joining us at this late hour. Skip, it's Christmas time. Right. It feels good. Yeah. Yeah. So my only request here is let's keep going <laughs> until it's not interesting anymore. <laughs> so I don't want to go like coupe length, but mm -hmm. I don't want to get the music playing us off at one hour either. All right. So well, if, if we can keep it interesting. We'll, we'll see yeah. how good you are. Yeah. <laughs> we got Jersey Mike's coming at the intermission. Yeah. Uh, Skip's got some food coming because he's hungry. You can imagine. He's been traveling for the last three, four hours or I whatever. I start seeing hashtag boring show no, up. No, that'll, end the show. that'll <laughs> never happen. But guess what? There's more, guys. Because this week, Skip, we've had a Christmas contest on Dojoverse all week long. And... 
what I asked guys to do was just uh, post something uh, Christmas oriented, something fun, Christmas sweaters, Christmas ornaments. If you whatever you could do to catch my attention, I have picked ten finalists, and we are going to let Skip Martin at the end of the show nice. pick two winners. Skip, here's what they're going to win. Hand me that uh, top one right there. Uh, the Pensatucky. I know what the that Pensatucky. Is. Uh, here we go. One lucky winner will win a five pack of the OG. That's enough to get yourself a badge too. Whiskey Rebellion. Yeah, that's right. That is that's five right there. You check into all five of these bad boys. You're going to get a special badge on Dojoverse. So that is what one lucky winner will get. The other lucky winner will get a full box of the Dojo Dogma Sun Grown, a box of 24. This is going to look mighty fine. Wasn't the in your original humidor. box blue? Well, it's Phenomenal. gone through several iterations. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, but the Sun Grown has always been in just this box. I got you. Uh, the Maduro... Mad started dog. it started off in a uh basically a paper brown paper then it went to a blue paper then yeah. it went to a yep. blue box yeah and then it went to a full-on actual box box um, box, so box it's been through some iterations over yeah, the something. years so two lucky winners uh one will get one one will get the other it'll be i don't know where i'm gonna put this i'm running out of room everybody um, there we go it's on the floor now but anyways here we go uh it's smoke out live uh, we're gonna have some fun with skip skip. Uh, skip, skip. Let's start off right off the bat. Um, it's been a great year for you. Uh, you've done Busy some year. fun projects, some different projects. Uh, Volstead, which me and Jordan both loved, one of the better affordable cigars that you can get your hands on. That particular cigar. Talk about the Volstead real quick. Um, well, so Mike and I bought the second, the other half of the factory from Esteban. Um, I guess about almost two years ago now. Mm. And that kind of precipitated a lot of big changes. Um, you know, one of the main reasons why we we did that was because there were some investments that needed to be made, uh, particularly in raw material that, uh, you know, Esteban just didn't have the, the, the money to, you know, to do. And we didn't want to go into debt to do it, obviously with FDA and other stuff hanging over us. So um, we started the pre-industry uh, around that same time. Um, or while we were in the process of talking about buying out the factory, we, you know, we had a bunch of different options on the table. One of them was moving our production to other factories, mm. uh, at least some of it or all of it to other factories. If, if it wasn't, if it wasn't going to work out, you know, moving forward. So, um, that we had the King Guajanario project coming up. That's the one skip. I'm going to just warn you ahead of time. I have a really hard time saying because I, 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 I'm terrible with that. That's not a knock on... That's got to be one of the hardest... That's, like, not, okay, a, that's not a knock on the name. Pronounce. It's a knock on me. So it's Italian, not Spanish. First <laughs> and I am Pe Italian. People, people think it's Spanish. So, so um, you know, Ken or Quinn is like uh, five. Right. Right? Like a, like a quintet. Right. That makes sense. So, um, Qua, like Ken Qua is like 50. And the genaria, like if you ever say octogenarian, mm -hmm. like so in English, in English I say that at least three times reason. a day. In, in English, <laughs> it's it's quinquagenarian. Mm, okay, but quinquagenario is a guy that's fifty in his fifties. Okay. So anyway, we started that project with, um, uh, and I had called 
uh, Ernesto and I yeah. said, Hey, I want to yeah. do it with you. Um, you know, we use a couple of kind of Dominican tobaccos in the factory, but it's an interesting thing when, um, like if you're in the, if you're in Nicaragua and, and, or, and you're buying tobacco, you buy tobacco specifically by region or by, by grower. So like this, uh, this tobacco is Jalapa or Esteli and those, those regions have become, become pretty popular among, uh, among consumers, like consumers know Jalapa, Ometepe, Esteli, Sebaco, some know that, um, Condega. Those are popular regions, and people understand that we grow either Criollo or Corojo, even now Broadleaf and some other varietals in Nicaragua. Right. So when someone's describing a blend, they'll say, this is uh, Criollo from Esteli, or this is Corojo from Jalapa, those kinds of things. But a lot of times in, in Nicaragua, even, when you're buying tobacco, it's just Dominican. They may say the varietal of seed it is, but they don't really talk too much about the region. It's kind of more homogenized mm. Dominican. So it's either San Vicente or it's, or it's, it could be from Olor or it's an Olor seed. It's Corojo or Criollo. But they're, they're, when I started doing research on Dominican tobacco uh, for this project with Ernie, I, you know, I found in, in old magazines and old articles, I found references to dozens and dozens of regions. And um, our favorite grower, Leo Reyes, um, where we buy our, where we bought tobacco for Cro-Magnon since 2010, um, he ha- he himself, which when he ships us uh, Criollo 98, sometimes it would come in from six different regions, and he would just substitute whatever he had, mm-hmm. and 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 it turned out over the years we had been using tobacco from two or three different regions, Criollo 98, and I didn't even know that. Mm. So uh, when we started working on the project with Ernie, I said, one of the main things is I want to learn Dominican tobacco. <laughs> right. And so I want to, when we make this cigar, I want it to be 100% Dominican cigar. Because the, kind of the thing people say about Ernie is he makes, he makes Nicaraguan cigars in the Dominican. Mm. Right. And I wanted to make a Roma Craft cigar in, with Dominican tobacco in the Dominican. And just prove that, um, you know, I think some... Dom- there's this weird dynamic between Nicaragua and the Dominican where, you know, Nicaragua gets a lot of accolades and, and at least in the last, last five or seven years, it's gotten a lot of this shine, but the Dominican people kind of have a little bit more pride about, you know, like pure sabor is a lot different than, than, um, pro cigar, pro cigar yeah. for example, it's like a whole different deal, right? Ours is kind of laid back in your chinos, you know, in a t-shirt and theirs is kind of fancy, right? Um, but, but there was this kind of like um, defensiveness among Dominican people where they always got to argue with you about how it's better than Dominican than Nicaraguan mm. tobacco. And and I always said, there are strong Dominican cigars, but how do you make Nicaraguan-type strong cigars in, in, in with Dominican tobacco? And they said, well, the only way you can do it is if you if you treat the tobacco, if you process the tobacco a certain way with, with mm. batoon or whatever. So anyway, I, I wanted to learn more about Dominican varietals. And what we ended up producing was uh, a Roma Craft cigar with all Dominican tobacco. And um, except it had an Ecuador Sumatra wrapper. And up until this point, I didn't really like Ecuador Sumatra. Right. So, I, I remember you saying that. Yeah, so. I was never a fan of it. I'm not a, still not a fan of original seed Ecuador Sumatra. But... Uh, we found in the process because Ernie was insistent that we use Sumatra, and that was his one thing. Like, look, you got to put Sumatra on this. 
because we couldn't find a Dominican rapper that we really liked. So um, that process, at the end of the day, going back to your question, led to, hey, we found this tobacco for this project. We found another hybrid tobacco that I really liked that they called Cameroon, but it's really just a Basuki-based origin seed from from Ecuador. And um, we liked it a lot. And so kind of what we used more Dominican tobacco than we normally do. And we use this new hybrid wrapper and that's where Volstead came from. Yeah. That, that, you know, I got to say like when we very first had it, it was after the show. Um, and you know how the show is like, I wasn't, I wasn't sure what I liked for many of those, uh, samples that you get. Cause you just get so many, you're smoking so many different things. And, and it wasn't really until, uh, me and Jordan were able to sit here in the studio and like actually pay our attention um, to Volstead, but it's it's an affordable, I mean, a ridiculously affordable cigar, um, but also really good. Like it doesn't feel like you're uh, smoking an affordable cigar. That's that seems like a just any kind of premium, you know, kind of craft cigar that you might smoke. It's absolutely phenomenal stick. Thanks, phenomenal. All of our. All of our uh, intemperance, the BA, the EC, the Whisk Rebellion, and the uh, now the Volstead, the VO1920, they're all under $10. I think there's one size of Whisk Rebellion that's a little bit over $10. Um, but then, you know, Cro-Magnon, Aquitaine, now Cro-Magnon, Pennsylvania, and Baca, those things are on a different end, mainly because of the cost of the wrappers. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, it's not any more or less expensive than any of the other intemperance. But and it doesn't use any better or worse. Actually, it's probably um, the wrapper's pretty expensive now because of what's going on in Ecuador. But um, you know, most of our cigars are kind of at that point in the value chain. I think. What What was the? Uh, what was? How did you come to the idea that you wanted to work with Ernesto? Was that uh, something you'd want to do for a long time? Was it something that sort of just came up? Or well, I knew it. I've known Ernesto for. 30 plus years when, when I used to travel through Miami as a cigar smoker, I would go to, uh, Credito, El Credito, the little factory there on Calle Ocho mm-hmm. when his mom was working there. And I would just stay there all day long. Right across at, the street from El Teton, right? On the corner? Kind of catty corner. Catty corner. Kind of where, where Pepin's place used to be. Isn't there like a, the, there's a little cigar shop there now or something? On the other side of the street. Oh, okay. It was, is the, the 8th and 15th, I think, is where Padilla started mm-hmm. his shop and then kind of got sold to someone else. But he was going to do a factory there, too, mm. Ernesto Padilla. But, um, yeah, I used to go in there, and um, and I would bug him all day long. <laughs> I mean, he actually still had some hair then. That's how long ago this was. Wow. And, um, and then he would get grumpy, and then his mom would, like, be, you know, tell him to be nice <laughs> to me. And, um, and then I – and then um, – I kind of a friend of mine uh, won the uh, the Chevetta the the big smoke contest. You know where you'd roll a cigar, big mm. smoke, and then they would take the finalists to Las Vegas, mm. and then the winner would the winners would get to come to uh, to Miami, and they would roll a cigar, and then they would award kind of like the golden Chevetta to whoever consumer ro- rolled the best cigar. A fr- one of my best friends, uh, his uh, brother won that, and 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 both of them went on that trip, and. Um, and then we kind of interacted with Ernie after that. And then when I was a retailer, I, I would see him on the floor and go, hey, what? he goes, what are you doing here? I'm like, I own a store. <laughs> you know. And then I, at Puro Sabor, I guess in around 2012, 
he's like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I own a factory. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> so, uh, you know, he's kind of been a good friend through yeah. that whole process. And, um, you know, who else, you know, th- these, these guys, um, I think he's still one of the few that, that is, a uh, kind of a hands-on in the, in the dirt with his, mm-hmm. you know, his, his shirt, shirt rolled up, still actually doing almost so much so that he's, he's a control freak like I am. I mean, he wants to be, I mean, his idea of us working together from the beginning was that I show up and taste cigars like everybody else. <laughs> right, right. And, uh, then it turned into a two year thing until finally he's like, can we just get this thing fucking over with and, <laughs> and, and get this cigar out? So, so that was like a two year process to, yeah, to yeah. get that cigar out. Wow. Um, yeah, like I mean, you make a you, you, a good point that um, he's one of the few guys that ha- it does produce cigars in the DR that um, that are unique from that you know that DR sort of style that you're that we're all sort of familiar with, that nutty, uh, which is a great style by the way. In fact, I just got done smoking a Davidoff Anniversario that was like this uh-huh. long and it was fantastic. Come in the, the wood tube. It was fantastic. <laughs> Um, but, uh, Ernesto, I mean, like a couple of years ago, the pledge was our number one cigar of the year, which is a fantastic, yeah. um, cigar. Yeah. He's doing some great stuff down there, but it's, it's really cool because, you know, everybody sort of thought of, uh, as you guys is doing like a certain thing. Do you have uh, plans on working with other, uh, manufacturers, uh, in the future? Or? No, it, kind of to answer your question a little more for, and the answer is no, but to answer your question a little bit more. Remember when Pete did the project, the H. Upman project with uh, oh, yeah. Altidus, where he did the, the H. Upman for them? Yeah, was that? Or with them, I should say. Uh, well, no, like I don't know. Was tattoo that? something? Oh. It wasn't oh. H. Upman. It was uh, Henry Clay. Right, yes. right, Henry right, Clay. right, 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 right. Yeah. I'm, I, yeah. I, I, I was like, um, I really loved that idea. The mm-hmm. idea of one of these new guys going back to revisit. Right, classic. right. So there was a time period there where Jack Taranio, when he was working with General, um, because a lot of our blends. Jack Taranio, never heard of him. <laughs> a lot of our early <laughs> blends were based on uh, the the stuff coming out of the factory that Esteban, you know, worked at the the CAO and Taranio blends, and so I always wanted to work with Cameroon. I wanted to reblend the nineteen, uh, I think it's the nineteen ten Cameroon mm. uh, nineteen. I don't 1920 the numbers I'm getting old but but there was a Cameroon line that that uh Taranio did that I said mm. well cuz Jack wanted us to do an LE for him actually that conversation started when he was with Duran I was going to oh, do a, right, a, right. a, a I thing that. with him and Sam Lucia but then it turned into that then later on when Jack left uh Justin Andrews was asking me hey do you still want to do this because we had started looking at the Cameroon and I I wasn't happy with it any of the material they were give, giving us, I you're like, hey, this is the Partagas 150 Cameroon. I'm like, it looks looks like it, <laughs> you mm. know, it's horrible. So I mean, it's old as hell, and you know, tired, yeah. you know. So, um, so I said, you know, the one I would really want to do is I would really want to do El Rico Habano, but I'd want to, I would only do it if I could work with Ernie to do it. Mm. And and I ran into Ernie at um, Inner Tobacco in Germany. I said, hey, I've got this idea, and he said, listen. I would do it with you, but based on the way you're saying it, we don't even have that tobacco anymore. I, I use some of, a lot of it now. I use because El Rico Bano's kind of died on the vine. I use a lot of this for the inch, and um, the, a lot of this um, this uh, tobacco that that I would use for that project to make it like the original original doesn't exist anymore. Mm. So then, when Ken Guajinario, the idea came around, that's when I went back to Ernie and said, 
well, hey, what about doing this with me? And um, the answer to your question about whether we're going to do it in another factory, um, so Mike, his 50th birthday is coming up in, I think, two more years. He's a youngster. Young gun. Yeah. So um, <laughs> his plan is to do it at a Costa Rican factory. Oh, okay. So, they can make some good stuff down there. Well, that's where he originally started with yeah. Adrian's. So, mm. so that's what that's the only, for now. That's the only other plan. All right. Well, I mean, I mean, this is exciting just in and of itself to the fact that, um, you know, I, I don't know if I, I, I have had one. Um, I know Jordan's a big fan of that particular uh, blend. Oh yeah. So I, mean, I think eventually all of our cigars will be made by AJ. <laughs> that's right. Every, it's like, everybody's it's like, it's ultimately like, that's it's like the board where you know, it goes. Resistance is futile. <laughs> you, know, you will be assimilated. So um, you obviously answered this question a thousand times. But we do have an audience question. Emin Drummer seventy one. He's wondering. He's never had a real craft. Where does he start? What's the oh. best place to get introduced to the brand? Oh, what can I say before he says? I would say you go with that brotherly kindness. Uh, that the temperance. Yeah. Connecticut. It's freaking amazing cigar. Uh, that's where I'd start. Where would you start? I would start with my local tobacconist, right? Who knows what I smoke? And then if he carries Roma, I assume this guy doesn't carry Roma Craft. Because well, he wants to know what Roma Craft yeah. he would. Oh, this is really good. You know, this is kind of, we'll get into this too when we get into the flavor and tasting thing. But generally, part of the whole allure of this world is trying and forming your own opinion about things. Sure, but, of course. You know, my thing would be, to, like you said, they're all a good value. So find a Roma store, tell the tobacconist what you normally smoke, um, and then they can line you up with something similar in different sizes. Um, one thing about our cigars is a lot of times, like Davidoff, you mentioned, when they, when they create a blend, generally, and a lot of companies do this, they'll, they're going for a, for a kind of a flavor profile in that blend. And as they change different sizes, the actual blend changes in every size. In some cases, it doesn't even have all the same components. In some cases, it has other components. In some cases, it has different ratios. Um, in some cases, it has tobacco that isn't even in the other sizes, just to keep it t- – well, so, no, so no matter what size you like, the idea is if I'm a Davidoff uh, Millennium guy, I could pick any size and it tastes exactly the same. That's the idea. Okay. The, the way we Sorry. blend The way we blend is we blend in a size, generally 5 by 56, um, and then we leave those ratios almost exactly the same in every in every size. So in a particular line, in EC, for example, the small one might taste completely different mm. than the the brotherly kindness, right? Or you, in the Cro-Magnon, you might like the bigger sizes more than you like the small ones. So generally, what I would say is start with a brand, get like a flight for that brand, see how it changes from size to size, see which size you like. And then, and then, whatever that size is, try that size in all the blends. Uh, we have a we have a retailer right here in studio, and I'm going to put him on the spot because now, I I did not say I did not warn Scott that we were going to do this. Right, but Scotty, uh, guy, well, hold on, this yeah, guy yeah. did mention the cigars he likes, so this okay. give you some context. Okay. and run from there. Right, let's go. It says his favorites so far are Oliva, Milano, Maduro. CAO Mortal Coil, CAO Amazon Basin, Extra oh, Añejo, Perdomo, Bourbon Barrel Age Line, and a bunch from Dunbarton. All right. Uh, Scotty, he walks into Trinity Cigar Lounge. What sizes does he like? What do you tell him? 
think he said <laughs> that. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, it, Skip pretty well nailed it with that, where you're going to want to see where they're smoking, like, knowledge where their smoking experience is what they enjoy what sizes they enjoy because there are those people that you know you hand them a corona and they look at it and scoff at it because it's just you know it's a little cigar and they don't think a little cigar is good but for the most part yeah you see where they're at what they enjoy and then you base it off of that and then you just dive in and you're like especially with like roma craft i mean and, and of course who would know better than skip himself but that is how with most Romacraft, I mean, there are certain sizes that I lean to in certain lines and there are certain sizes that I, I lean to in others. It's not the same. It varies. So you kind of just have to find and then you'd have to set them up with basically, like he said, you'd have to set them up with like three or four sticks and, you know, in this line and different Vitolas and let him, you know, kind of find which one he likes the best. And then and, then you and the one that. that you get to make the most money from. No, well, that, that, I threw that part in. <laughs> hey, I threw that part in. Some retailers think hey, you got to make that in. It, it, it kind of go, goes to this idea of events, right? Always. It's like sometimes you see now with events, it's like you know, buy two boxes, get a raffle ticket. Yeah, buy, right, right, buy right. three, get a, get a, a you know a knife. Buy five, get a compass. You know, buy six, <laughs> get steak dinner and a reach around or whatever. And, and they're trying to move. You know, they measure the success of the event. By boxes, right? How many boxes were sold? Or how many dollars did we generate? I always measure the success of an event this way. If a store is kind of averaging uh, this level of revenue per month <coughs> with three brands, for example, primarily, and then you have an event, and after the event, that seeks a new level, mm. and that new level is a little bit higher revenue, and maybe they have four brands now or five brands now that people are buying on a regular basis. What the what, So for me, the, the thing for an event is if someone's never smoked Roma, get them into to a, to a size-based Catador or a sampler. If they have smoked Roma before, maybe get them to try something else by getting them a kind of, a, what's your favorite size? I like Petite Coronas. Okay, let me get you a sampler of Petite Coronas across the brands. And if they if they are real hardcore Roma guys, make sure you have things there that they can't normally buy, mm -hmm. right? Like Black Irish or whatever, right? Um, th special sizes, Grand Coronas, Panatellas, Lonsdales, things like that. So um, events for me are a great opportunity for people to kind of explore brands. And, you know, at, with our stuff, I mean, people, anyone who orders our stuff, you can get 15 boxes on an invoice and it's less than $1,500 you know, for a retailer. So, you know, you can really get broad. And then because of the way our production works, a lot of times what our retailers do, it's not like they narrow in on, okay, I carry the Robusto, the Toro, and the whatever. They they say, I carry three sizes of Cro-Magnon, whatever they're shipping me at that time. So if if the cranium's back-ordered, I order that, but then I'll get a some Mode 5s to come in on you know, to hold that spot. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I have three faces of Cro-Magnon, I have three faces of Olsted, whatever three are available right now. And and that way customers come in, they go, oh, you got different sizes this week. And and they end up trying different stuff. Yeah, that is the, that that's the fun of, you know, being in the, in the lifestyle is I like, it's funny because there's, there's sort of, uh, you know, two or three styles of smokers, but the two main ones are, you know, folks that have a certain thing that they like that they just want to, repeat over and over and over, even if it's different brands, like a certain flavor profile or whatever. And then there's other folks that they're kind of more like me. I, 
I like to always be exploring, Skip. I like to always... I, it's hard for me to go back to the same cigar unless, you know, unless I really, really like it and I'm buying boxes of it. And there is some of that stuff that I do do. Um, if I buy boxes of something, I generally get bored with it. Yeah. So, so like, you know, I, I've been smoking since the mid-90s or early 90s. And until I owned a cigar store, I maybe, maybe, maybe in in that 12, 14 years bought three, four, five boxes of cigars. I almost never bought boxes. You just always... I was the guy that came into the retailer and said, look, you get 10% off of boxes. Can you make a special deal for me where you give me the box discount if I buy more than 25? But I'm always going to buy two of these, two of these, three of these, two of these. They they hated you when you walked in. No, I mean, (laughs) look, I I spent... I spent two, three thousand dollars a month on cigars. I, don't, I wouldn't say any retailer hated me, and I tried everything. Now, uh, Skip, the uh, the obviously the big cigar aficionado list came out, and um, of course, we're biased to our own list that comes out uh, after the first of the year. But I mean, let's face it the 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 list that is is most paid attention to is the cigar aficionado list, and that just closed today. Uh, do you? Do you follow that? Do you does it is it uh, move any needles for you? What do you what do you think of uh, the big CA list? I don't I don't really anticipate it anymore. I do I do kind of check it out once it's kind of been fully published, yeah. you know, and it's it's teased out, you know. Um, but generally, there's a formula. I mean, you could do the math, and and you could like if you were an odds maker, you could figure out what the top twenty five. It's always going to be these five people are mm-hmm. going to have something on there, you know. Padron, Fuente, Oliva. Now, now that they're a billion dollar company, yeah. uh, it's the good old boys. Um, AJ is going to have something on there. There's always going to be a, a couple small guys that they really like uh, that 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 work for them, like like Nick or or Eric Espinoza. Um, and then there's always going to be one or two new ones in there. Yeah, because they'll they'll put you in there. Like they did with us, and then the next thing you know, they're hitting you up for, hey, are you going to become part of the team? Are you coming <laughs> to the big smoke? Are you coming to advertise? That's why you know uh, Luciano did the big smoke. Now you see him on the list. You know, I'm not saying that cigar is not a good cigar. I I haven't smoked a lot of them. I don't know right. if it is. I I don't know that there's ever been any bad cigars on that list. Right. At least the ones that they're not going to put bad cigars. Dave Savona and those Matola, they're not going to put bad cigars on that list. Yeah, that's true. But 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 there's so many good cigars now. It's all subjective. And at the end of the day, every every person has a list. Um, what, what the list I like are the ones where people say, "Hey, these are the cigars I smoked the most this year." Doc Stogie Fresh used to have this app, and I started using it, where you logged every cigar, kind of like the Dojo app, right? Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the year, it tells you. That's like your Spotify list. Like you say, you don't like Taylor Swift, but you listen to you listen to a lot of Taylor Swift. <laughs> like you know, you, are you trying to tell us something? Skip? Are you going to put Taylor Swift on your list? I don't know, but uh, you've listened to you know sixty-five hours of you know. You know, I I I think I, I think that you. people uh, misunderstand me a little bit personally when I. Criticize that list. Uh, I'm not criticizing the cigars at all. Like, I mean, let's face it, the Opus X is one of my favorite cigars of all time. Padron 2664, that's what really got me into premium cigars in the first place. I, I absolutely love that cigar. My, my only issue at all with it is 
when it's essentially the same same brands and there's like sort of no surprises, it, it it's it's a little bit of a, a letdown. It's it's there's no there's no like shock value. Like I I well, want. Well, I think that I think the aficionado list is good. That it's that consistent. Yeah, kind that's of, true. Yeah, what, because anybody who's newer to cigars can go to that list that's and true. find yeah. something good. Right. Right. The half wheel list, the consensus list specifically, is really good for me mm-hmm. because it says to me kind of what is new and and and, and broadly appealing that I maybe haven't. Uh, now there's some there's some skewing to that too because you know it, if I send a humongous box full of free shit to you know some guy broadcasting from his garage, <laughs> you might get on there. You know. <laughs> I'm not saying that you're buying a spot, but I'm saying that guy's going to be appreciative. And if the cigar is yeah. good, he's going to put it on the list. Right. Because because if he got three boxes of cigars from you, he, he he's going to be smoking those a lot. Right. You know, I think one of the biggest <clears throat> misunderstandings about the CA list is the, the very first criticism that everybody says is, oh, these are the guys that advertise with CA. Well, that's true. Well, OK, but wait, wait, hold yeah, on. Let me finish. Um, I, I, I will say this. We the guys that advertise with we almost all the big brands advertise with us. So how can you not have a bunch of those brands? Because to ignore those some of the best cigars, well, you know they it, are on there. It really works the other way. So to be qualified to be reviewed by cigar aficionado, you have to be readily, generally readily available in a New York area, New York City mm-hmm. area tobacconist store. So they have to be able to send their cigar runner down there to buy a box, put the secret labels on them, and do all that. People who are big in New York City tobacco stores with the taxes and everything else are the bigger brands, generally, mm-hmm. right? So it's kind of more like, and the bigger brands advertise. So, right. So it's more, it's it's like the chicken and the egg. It's yeah. they're not on the list That's because they yeah. advertise. They're that, advertised because they're the kind of brands yeah. that are in the places they can right. qualify for ratings. Right. Right. Yeah. I, but I think I think Jordan Jordan. I don't throw you on the spot. I know you have a really <laughs> bad. I know you have a really bad head cold, so I, I apologize. But um, I, I I like your take on CA's list. Um, I think it's more accurate than just oh these guys advertise. Tell tell Skip what you think about that. Uh, yeah, I can't kind of clued into this last year, maybe the year before, but. It seems to me that it's not just who advertises. It's more so, and that we all do this. It's who was popular and coming onto the scene when you got into cigars. That's true, too. And so, so for Cigar Aficionado, when they came out, that was the all these mid to early 90s brands. They're the LFDs. They're the Alec Bradleys. They're the Rocky Patels. They're the, and of course, Cubans were popular at the time. So there's always going to be a Cuban on there, and this is mostly for the top ten. There's always going to be an Alec Bradley. There's always going to be an LFD. There's always going to be – it seems to be like the guys that were the guys coming out of the 90s is what they've kind of stuck to. Yeah, you rarely see, you know – Well, like this the, year, Rick Rodriguez was number 25. Okay, but we're, not, and, we're talking top ten. Later like they, this year, he's going to get a visit from they do, they do the throw, ad guy. They did throw a Caldwell on there. Yeah, um, yeah, so, yeah. But those are usually like in but the, that in the later made by in the later rounds, right? The long live the queen, uh, Ventura family. Yeah. Yep. yeah, yeah. So yeah, look, man. At the end of the day, I like the the aficionado list. Um, it doesn't really. It isn't. If you if you were to look at my purchases this year, 
the the cigar boxes that I purchased the most this year with my own money are the Padron Hermoso Maduros, the 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 nineteen sixty four Hermoso mm-hmm. Maduros, and that's because I always they are always exactly the same. Whether you like them or don't like them is a subjective thing. Sure. But here's the thing. If a cigar is tasting weird to me or different than it than I think it should, I'll go grab one of those padrones and go and and check my it's like it's like a, a checking because I know that one's gonna be consistent. Uh-huh. So if that one doesn't taste right to me, then it's me. Mm, right. 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 So I have those too. Those I call I call those like uh cornerstone cigars. Like calibration cigars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like yeah. a calibration. If if I'm having a if I'm having a bad day and uh, and nothing is tasting right to me, I can go to an Espinosa Habano, and I know exactly what that cigar is going to taste like. Right, and it does help me reset my palate to what's going on. That's a really good point. Right, but in but list in general, here's my only thing: is put down on the list what you really like, what you really found appealing in a given year, yeah. whatever your rules are. Um, you know, Coop's list is always interesting. But it does. But if you go back and look at Coop's, you know, kind of top two, top three over the years, a lot of them aren't even made anymore, or they're horrible, right? Um, it's and I don't know if Coop himself actually ever really smoked any large quantities of any of those. And maybe in that year, he legitimately believed that that was the best one because he gets real analytical about it. and He's trying to pick whatever. But um, what I can tell you about what I can tell you about, uh, say. Dave Garofalo, well, that's a bad example, um, about Joe Schmo's list on YouTube or whatever. It's like that guy bought boxes of those cigars, and he legitimately likes those cigars. You know what I mean? Or uh, Bob the Cigar Guy or whoever, right? It's like um, they're not going to put a cigar because it really reflects their genuine, um, you know, the the how about those the, that cigar guys? Mm-hmm. They really try to put on there what they really like, and I know they're buying boxes or whatever those cigars. Because they're trying to support the, the cigars, and 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 at the end of the day, when they go to their cabinet or their tupperware or whatever, they're going to grab the one that they right. put on their list because that's what they genuinely like. Right. It, of course, it should be noted that those guys came from the dojo. So uh, there we go. Uh, Matt Ty, we love Matt Ty, great guy. Uh, our, on our list, Skip, we we've always said we'll we're going to be the Academy Awards of the cigar list. These cigars have to come out this year. That's that's sort of our rule. Um, and that makes it kind of fun. Like, what was the cigars this year that came out this year? And with the CA list, that's another sort of tricky thing. Like, okay, it's the uh, Padron 1926 Maduro. Okay. The, if, you know. if every manufacturer put the, the uh, dates on their boxes, it would it would make up for that a little bit. Because you could say, like, they would say, yeah, we, we got the box from this that year. That would that would be bullshit, Go too. find it, and then they would, <laughs> Maybe. you could but, say, like, I could because, go find But at that least cigar. you could go find it on the box. That's what yeah, I'm saying. But, like, but that would be bullshit, too, because is that the year is that the year of the tobacco? Uh, right, but at least you could right. find is that, that the box. Year of, find that, those cigars that they smoked and they yeah. liked. Right. Well, I'll yeah. give you a good example of that. Um, we, had, uh, we had a box of, uh, of the uh, black Tatuaje, the, the BCs. The, okay. The, the black, the petite coronas, the the ones that come in the f- aluminum foil fresh pack. All right. And um, for some reason they had been in there a long time, and I don't. I think I bought them at an event or something to support Mo in New York, and 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 I had never opened it, and I opened it, and I ended up smoking like fifteen in two days or something. They were so good. Mm. So I I looked at the box code, and I and I started calling every retailer I knew. Mm. 
right. you know, Fox Cigar. Trying to find I that bought, same. I bought two from here, three from there, four from here. And other box codes came in, and they weren't the same. Oh, okay. But the ones that came in with that box code, whatever that box code meant, they were all <laughs> the same you know, right. to me. So I ended up getting like 15 boxes. <laughs> <Wow. Yeah. laughs> you dog. Yeah, so that would be on my top 10 this year, that cigar, even though it was, the box code was, you know, six or seven years old. Right. right. No, I mean, it, it, I'll, obviously all of this is subjective. Um, I still follow the CA list. I still pay attention to it. I think a lot of uh, people do. Yeah, do I have my criticisms? Yeah, so what? People have their criticisms of our list. And But if you if you come up with any list, like what are your, what are your favorite books of all time? Mm. What are your favorite movies of all time? I try time? not to read. You know, <laughs> what are your favorite albums of all time, right? Mm, I could do that. It's, it's always going to be a subjective list. Of course. But Absolutely. the great thing about the list itself is, is like th this is good enough that this guy put it on the list with five other bangers. Yeah. And I have never watched that. Right. I've right. never read that. I've right. never. Maybe I should check that out. Maybe I should check that out. That's right. the great thing about the list. Yeah. And, and, and so I like to see a lot of diversity on the yeah, list. Yeah. I remember early on, way back, I was like going through the lists and uh, I don't remember if it was Cigar Journal or whatever, but they had the uh, the San Latano Oval on that. And I was like, wow, you know what? I that like was such a good cigar. I like all the other cigars that are on this list. I've never had that. I want to. And then Go as soon as you like it, it disappears. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> or so it changes. So you're 100% right about that. When we come back from commercial break, we're going to jump into some hot topics with Skip Martin of Romacraft. This is episode 405 of Smoke Night Live. But ladies and gentlemen, this show is sponsored by JR Cigars, one of the world's largest online cigar stores. JR's inventory ranges from everyday bundled cigars to incredibly high-end boxes, plus a large selection of cigar accessories. Enjoy the best prices on your favorite brands such as Romeo, Julieta, Monte Cristo, Crown Heads, Davidoff, Espinosa, and many more. Make sure to try one of their exclusive lines such as the Drew Estate Nightshade or the limited edition Cigar Dojo 10th Anniversary Champagne by Perdomo. As you can guess, that's my favorite. Celebrate over 50 years of excellence and stock up on your favorite cigars today. Smoke Night Live is also Brought to you by Espinosa Premium Cigars. Phenomenal. Espinosa Cigars was the Cigar Dojo's first ever Cigar of the Year winner, and since then they've consistently placed their cigars on our coveted year-end list, placing more than any other brand in the last decade. Whether crafting a full-bodied Maduro at the San Latino factory, or whipping up zesty Habanos at the fan-favorite La Zona factory, or even serving up a knuckle sandwich with Guy Fieri, Espinosa packs the craft cigar fanatics flavor profile that you crave. Get in the Lazona state of mind with hit releases such as the 601 Blue, Espinosa Habano, Murcielago, or the opulent orange treat that Eric Espinosa has dubbed Naranja. Yeah, there you go. Laranja, as he says. With a lineup this good, you'll have no excuse but to smoke Espinosa every day this is smoke night live a a special late late night edition of smoke night live episode 405 jordan Woo. we are here in dojo studios with a full oh. group of guys look in the us. studio We've, look at it's that it's grown it's grown even anthony's over there and anthony has his uh oh. Show him your sweater, sweater anthony. anthony's got his christmas sweater going look at that let's take a Move look into at this that. into the frame a little bit that way. That's beautiful. Oh, nice. You, that, that, you, that Santa is very scary. You may have won 
You may have won the the contest. Look, dead? At, look at those dead eyes. Look at his eyes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's Weekend oh, at Bernie's and Santa edition. It's sunglasses. They're sunglasses. I thought he was like a zombie or something. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, this this past uh, week, our good buddy uh, Terrence Riley uh, put together a little video because he was so appreciative of Dojo community, and we wanted to play that video for you because he sent it to me, and I was like, hey, yeah, nobody's going to see it. This needs to be on air. This needs to be on air. So, Jordan, let's let's hear from Terrence real quick. Joe Nation, it's the holidays. I wanted to say Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and uh, you know this is a time to be grateful for all the things you have. And I was thinking back to that original project when I came to Agonoris Leaf six years ago now, the Reviver. I found a couple in the humidor, and I'm validating them right now in appreciation for all the support from Cigar Dojo, Eric, Jordan, all the people out there on the Dojo Verse. Thank you so much. Cheers. Keep validating. There we go. Look I think at I that. still have like two boxes of those. You still do? This is the greatest I, I, I bought life. three. Can I buy them off of you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll wow. train you. I already smoked my last one. That was that was a that was a banger. That's Dude, a, our cabinet at the office has some. It's some, like an archive. Oh, it, 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 yeah. it's got some, I've still. We've never been. Yeah, I know. Ridiculous. We need to get, we need to get down. Jack's to, been there. We need to get down Jack, to Austin yeah. and hang out. We did, we did a show. Jack went to the the headquarters. We did. A, Show yeah, you guys, you guys had an opportunity to come to Weasel Fest. You should have come. Oh, that was a question somebody had on here. I, okay. I didn't throw it up, but somebody was wondering if you're doing the Weasel Fest. Oh, Patrick Larkin was wondering if you're doing the Weasel Fest and coming out with another, I can't remember what cigar mm-hmm. he was looking for, maybe Roscoe or something like that. Weasel Fest cost us about three hundred fifty to $400,000. Oh, wow. my gosh. Uh, it's like twelve hundred to fifteen hundred dollars per person, and the tickets were like two fifty. And people, people <laughs> that were, doesn't make sense. People, people were complaining that it was too expensive. <laughs> so I'm like, Skip I don't know. That just doesn't add up. I don't know how to do anything halfway. You know? So um, not a numbers guy. Yeah. <laughs> so we're not doing this year. We, you know, we we built the new pre-industry. Okay. Um that that was about a two million dollar investment, and then. Um, we bought a lot of tobacco. Right now, tobacco tobacco is is harder to get. Um, for the first time, we're we're processing our own tobacco, so we're buying filler straight out of the curing barn. We're buying wrapper that's half done. So um, it's been a big learning curve for us. We've we've fucked up tens of thousands of dollars worth of tobacco. <laughs> you got it. Uh, yeah, that's how you learn. All right? the best. It's expensive. It's right. So I mean, so, so this year's Weasel Fest uh, was the money went to something else. So, okay. Yeah. All right. So not looking good for Weasel Fest this year, but who knows what'll happen in the future, right? You never know. You never know. But Scarface did do that Tiny yeah. Desk concert. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, that was pretty. I know you're not a big Scarface guy. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can uh, imagine though. Skip, uh, we got a couple hot topics to go into. One of let's them, let's go, let's go. One of them is uh, vaccines. Is is more um, Trump. minor than what? the other. Uh, you made a post on uh, Facebook about cigar swag, right? Swag, swag uh, stuff we all get. Um, and I don't, I don't want to paraphrase it, so I'll just let you you make the the point. And then we can go from there. What What is your thoughts on cigar swag? I mean, I think that first of all, swag and is stuff we all get is cheap Chotsky bullshit. Like it's like the it's like the party treats you get at the eight year old birthday party. Cheap Chinese bullshit that is going to end up in the trash or whatever <laughs> at some point, right? 
Um, and there's a lot of that out there. I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll give you an example. Just t-shirts is the easiest example. You can buy really cheap, inexpensive, crappy t-shirts and give them away for free. And the problem is that those t-shirts or hats or whatever end up basically in the, you know, being worn once or twice and thrown away. But if you buy really, really high quality t-shirts and you, and you pay for really high quality, uh, printing like, uh, um, dye sublimation instead of, you know, the vinyl mm -hmm. screen printing. If you do that and someone buys or you give someone that shirt, they're going to wear it for a long, long time. It's right. going to be their favorite shirt or whatever. Um, so to me, I want to, to pay a fair price for cigars. I don't like, first of all, you're already paying double when you, when you buy from a retailer. But you go, you know, the retailer's maintaining a place to smoke. They're maintaining a, a, the humidor. They're sure. maintaining inventory. So, so there's an argument to say that you're getting value out of that. So, so if it costs me, you know, I'll, I'll give you a, just weird numbers. If it costs me $2 to make a cigar, then it costs me $0.50 cents for packaging. Then it costs me $0.50 cents to get it to the U.S. That's $3. And let's say I make $0.50 cents on it, right, um, $3.50. I sell it to the retailer for seven. The retailer sells it for 14, right? That's generally the way it kind of works. Um, I look at it and go, if you took it, I, I remember years ago, there was a craft beer bottle. I think it was at the American Beer Festival. that we Great went American to. Beer Festival. Yeah. We went to there was, a, was there was a graphic of a beer bottle, and it showed like what percentage was the actual raw materials to make the beer, what was the labor to make the beer, what was the uh, the profit for the company that made the beer? What was the advertising and marketing? What was the packaging or the product, the packaging material? What et cetera, et cetera. So what was the distribution cost? What was the cost of the retailer, et cetera? And then you say, okay, a craft beer costs nine dollars. It's like, well, why does a craft beer cost nine dollars and a Budweiser t Bud Light take costs a dollar or whatever? So it showed this graphic, and what you could see is the things that that contribute to the quality of the product like higher quality raw materials, high, higher quality labor, um, maybe even nicer, more durable packaging material, those things are less than half of the value of a beer. And then what you're really paying for a lot of times is advertising, marketing, distribution, sales, those kinds of things, right? So I, I think paying brokers, paying salespeople, paying for cheap chotskis, big screen TVs and grills, you know, you'll see reps that, that'll travel to go to a store. They'll have an event. They'll have a $800 grill and a $400 TV, and then they'll have whatever. And, 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 and maybe the, the retailer's losing money on that deal, but a lot of times what's happening is all of those costs get wrapped back into the cigar. So what you're seeing in the cigar industry is the real real is that raw material is getting more expensive. Labor in Nicaragua is getting more expensive. Labor in Dominican Honduras is getting more expensive. Packaging materials, wood is getting more scarce, is getting more expensive. Climate change is affecting crops. Those kinds of things. So the actual real hard cost of making a quality product is going up. And what that means is that um, that's being passed on to the consumers. So like this year, we're doing a, another pricing. We, we didn't do a price increase for like four or five years, and then we learned the hard way. It's better to do a little bit every year instead of all mm. all of it four years later. So we're doing a price increase. Um, let's say a cigar. Let's say my costs go up fifteen cents. So my labor costs go up five cents. My raw material costs go up ten cents. For example, 
let's say my packaging material doesn't change. That 15 cents, by the time it hits a re- by the time it hits a retailer, is something like 55, 65 cents a cigar. So I either have to get leaner, which we did for a lot of years, and get more efficient and become better at doing what we do, or I have to pass that on to the retailer who passes sure. it on to the consumer. So to me, the great thing about cigars, and we'll get to this when we get into the tasting, is don't don't trust what I'm telling you about the cigars. Invest $8 and buy it and, and go smoke it. You're going to get an hour or what an hour and a half out of it. Um, that's it. And, an hour and a half for, for $8 is a pretty good deal, $10. But there's cigars out there now that are $20, $25. And then when you back, if you took that graphic of those $20, $25 cigars, you see this, this is how much the bullshit packaging that ends up going in the trash costs. This is how much the broker costs. This is how much the advertising and the free shit they sent to everybody costs. Here's how much all the raffle prizes and swag costs. Now, that cigar that's $20 that a lot of people could have enjoyed could have been probably twelve or fourteen dollars. So we say all the time we make we make you know twelve, fourteen, sixteen dollars cigars for eight, ten, twelve dollars. And that's because we really, as a company, our ethos is we don't really believe in a lot of that stuff. Right. <clears throat> I also don't believe in giving away cigars at cigar events. I have no problem with a discount. It's like, hey, I'm gonna give you a discount on this sampler, like we were talking about earlier, to get you to try things you wouldn't normally try. Mm-hmm. Or if you buy a box of what you normally smoke, I'm going to give you five cigars I want you to try because later on I'm making an investment that maybe later on you're going to like one of these cigars. But just giving you a bunch of cigars that are that I can't sell otherwise because the demand has gone away in order to entice you to buy more than you would normally would of something you wouldn't normally buy, I'm not a fan of that. Mm-hmm. And what I said in the post was I've been smoking cigars for 30-something years. I don't. I can't remember a single piece. I don't. I haven't put my hands on a single piece of tabacchiana or, or cigar swag that I've ever gotten at an event or at an I usually just give it away. I'm like, oh, no, give that to somebody else. I just want the cigars. Right. Uh, just give me a good price, a fair price. But maybe maybe you're projecting a little. Well, I'm a consumer. Right. But so, you're, you're projecting from your perspective as a consumer. 100%. And this is an opinion, not a Some people fact. like their swag <laughs> yeah and if you do that's and we'll get to this when we get the taste as well it, it's one of these things where if it if it builds new cigar smokers and if people really like it then it's good mm-hmm. if it gets people to spend more than they would normally spend and then they start having problems with their wife and then they have a bunch of shit that they, they end up just throwing away and never using and then they end up overpaying for cigars, and then they kind of get out of the habit because the and then newest one. At off the top of, of a bridge. Yeah, then, you know, then it's, it's a, a wonderful life. Then, it, then it's a negative thing, right? So, like the neon blue fluorescent sling plat pack you got with with the bullshit, you know, uh, Drew Estate, whatever. Maybe there are people out there maybe that love that thing. They, yeah, they do. But. I would put money on the fact that the majority of the guys who won the thing this month that won the thing two years ago don't even use the thing that they won two years ago. Yeah. May not even have it. A lot of it ends up on eBay. But how long do you have to have something for you to have gotten um, enjoyment out of it? It depends on if it's a consumable or a durable good, right? Well, I know. I think think Jordan's point is is your 
Does it give you joy? You're in- yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. If it gives you joy, then it's worth it. If it doesn't give you, none of this gives me joy. So that's, right. that's a why of, I have my you're, perspective. You're a different. A lot of things might give you joy for a year and then. Yeah. Or maybe it gives you joy just at that very moment. Like these guys gave me this thing and now I feel like I'm a part of their ecosystem. You know, I, I'm, I've never been a swag guy either. So I'm sort of a bad guy to uh, even be debating <laughs> this. Point, yeah. So, so I'm it's, not, it's more, it's more to the, it's more to the fact that it's gone overboard. It's mm. more to the fact that they're pushing people to spend more than they would normally spend for things they wouldn't normally buy that they end up not really enjoying. And it turns them off to the, like I used to go to a lot of baseball games. You remember they used to have the, you know, the Dolly Parton, you know, bra night or the you know the the they elvira mistress, mistress of the dark i missed, I missed that you know, night <laughs> you know whatever whatever night it was at the ballpark right like the the nolan right. ryan bobblehead or whatever those are always really cool things because you can remember sure that thing but a lot of this a lot of a lot of the things that they're giving away it's at, at cigar things aren't even cigar related anymore all right let's go to our let's go to our studio audience. uh scotty Swag. What's your general thoughts on swag? What's the best? Okay, name one piece of swag that is, <laughs> that you still to this day are like that's cool. I have. I will say one piece of swag that I have. I love. It's sitting in my home cigar lounge right now. I have the Avo ashtray that was the uh, vinyl record mm. that I have it sitting on my right. coffee table. Use it constantly. Love it. Now, I will say, as a retailer, most of the swag that I have gotten usually ends up being giveaways for other retail events that I do with the Mobile Cigar Lounge. So I right. don't keep a lot of swag. Connor, are you a swag guy? Uh, you know, I like the little knickknacks. I think they're cool. There I got a go. Drew Estate longboard that I hung up in my lounge. So I think that's kind of cool. There you go. The, the the old shoe estates stuff, like the tennis shoes and the and the, yeah. the Chevettas and the molds, those things were always cool. Maddie, Maddie, are you a, a swag guy? I I kind of am, but it is funny. The only swag that I have that I still use is I have one of your weasel ashtrays for the car. I use it every day. Right. It's, <laughs> it's and awesome. That's, and that's a Zycar thing. It's a durable and it's... Yeah. Has utility. Yeah, I I agree. Now I th- I think that's for sure one thing that can be true in this conversation is quality swag versus Schwag. we really try to do quality. Yeah. What what I like is I find a guy who does something that's really high artisanal or craft like, and I'm like, how can I turn that into a piece of swag? Yeah. Like we have these really cool wooden um, cigar stands. Mm. But but it's, it has zero utility because I'll have like six of them on my desk <laughs> and my cigar is still sitting on yeah, the edge of my right, desk. Yeah, like I know that. you too. <laughs> That's so true. Uh, so like with cigar swag, I mean, we, we nailed it. I mean, look around the studio right now. We have cigar swag in the studio, but it's all high quality pieces that right. we use constantly. These ashtrays sitting on the table. The from stickers. Camacho and Fuente. Stickers. That, you know, gorgeous, which I still am jealous. I'm going to steal it one day. That J.C. Newman ashtray. Yes. The best ashtray of all time. Oh, I thought it was going to be in Cigar Cam. Uh, uh, nope, out of the cam. But I'll yeah, have to tell you one day about when I got is, accused of stealing an ashtray. Yeah, great <laughs> stuff is, I mean, it's usable. It's worthwhile. It's like that Avo ashtray that I have. You know, it's durable. It's functional. And I love it, you right. know, but there's a lot of that stuff, the little lighters that you get that work like for maybe a month or two and then stop or 
the plastic cutters annoy the heck out of me. I just either throw them away or give right. them away to people. I don't hang on to them. So it's like quality swag is awesome. I think. Oh yeah. I think we have come it's, to a uh, consensus that quality swag quality is, swag has has, right. has a place. But that's usually not the stuff that's just given away. Like and usually, I, and our swag in general. And I do a, 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 a an analysis on this once every couple of months. Is I'll look at our merchandise sales versus the merchandise we discounted away, and my only goal is for it to be break even, mm. right? So it, for every for every set of onesies that we sent out for people who have new babies, and T-shirts or whatever we give away, I always want to sell enough to where the profit from the sales of those things offset the ones we give away. How about onesies for full grown adults like myself? <laughs> yeah. Would you be? Yeah. Is it with a butt flap, you know? I think the the, yeah. the snaps irritate the taint. <laughs> so that's that's the challenge. With Where this. are those? Oh yeah, if it's a onesie, yeah. yeah. But you gotta have the butt flaps with the two buttons on mm. the on the top. Yeah, yeah I definitely just is. make if, if if you drink too much bourbon and you yeah. have to pee real fast, it becomes. Yeah, it's yeah. like the old thirteen button pants in the navy. Yeah. Oh, that, I'm sure. When yeah. you were on leave and you were shit faced, that was never worked 13 out. Thirteen buttons. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Um, all right, Skip, let's get right into this because this is the controversial topic of the night. And I'm going to give you um, the full chance to make your case about how people describe flavors of cigars, how cigar reviewers such as Jordan and Scott and myself. So there was, an, art there was an article. Yeah. So I'll, I'll start with the title of this article okay. from, from the early 2000s. It said, wine tasting, wine reviewing. Is it bullshit or complete and utter bullshit? Okay. So that was the two options, right? So, so, so I'll, start out by saying, I'll start out by saying this. But Saint, that could have been written by anybody. It could have been it a, could total, be a hater, total, total, yeah. total loser. Who yeah. knows? We don't know. So, so, I wrote um, that article. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the, here's the thing. Before 1991... Okay. Before 1990, 1991. I think the first issue of Aficionado was 92, right? The one with JFK on it? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe I'm misremembering. Wow. They used to come out with four a year or something. But the point is, in 1987, if I sat down with Arsenio Ramos or any other reputable cigar person, Ernie Carrillo, when I used to sit with Ernie in his place, not one single person ever in... That I can, Wayne Suarez from Fuente, uh, mm. um, any person I can remember, even bullshitters like uh, Tony Barani. There's not one person I ever sat down with to try to learn about tobacco who ever used flavor notes. Okay. I will run into an average consumer now who will say, hey, I'm interested in trying the, the Volstead. Or I see you posting samples. So tonight we've been smoking the... Uh, the new Cro-Magnon, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. Very good. Um, yeah. What are the flavor notes? It's like, well, it tastes like dark, air-cured, well-fermented tobacco. Right? It, it, you know, I can get a little bit more just broad than that. You know, it, it has earthy kind of like uh, deep tones of flavor. It has a little bit of a sharpness to it. It has a, a little bit of sweetness or it has a little bit of this. Those are general things. And, and, and sometimes 
when you're blending a cigar, let's say you, you're working on a blend and you got four different variations. Sometimes even amongst the deep, dark, secret, you know, cabal of people who decide, they'll say, you know, this one, it has a little bit of a bitterness to it that I don't like, or it mm, has a little bit of right. emptiness to it that I don't like. Not one fucking time in 30 years has anyone ever said, you know what would really make this great is something that tasted like, um, not not Fig Newtons, but if if you took a Fig Newton and you sprinkled it with coffee, and then you blah 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 blah, you know, it's like no one ever talks like that because people who know tobacco they say you know what the problem with this is it's it's been over fertilized, or this was this is a little bit incartonado it's a little bit dead mm. because uh because it it uh the life is it has no life it has no oil it has right. no set or they'll say something like um. Carbone, like they'll say it was wet, it was rainy season, and they used fire in the drying barn, and the stuff at the bottom of the drying barn got too much smoke, and it's got that it's got that that bitterness from that okay and so they'll use they'll use practical descriptors or generalized taste descriptors, like I would need it to be sweeter, I need it to be more it's a little too bitter or mm. whatever. But not one time will they ever use this kind of format, first, third, second, third, third, third bullshit format that basically didn't even exist until the 90s. Right. And wouldn't you say, though, that that's when cigars like really started to get popular in the mm-hmm. 90s? No. It is, cigars started to get popular before Aficionado. I know. But Aficionado became just, about you, because you cigars were getting more popular. You just said that in 87, nobody used these terms. And then later, people started to use these terms. And then cigars exploded into the consumer market like no, never before. You're, that's that's uh, correlation, not um, causation. Causation, yeah. Maybe mm, what what I'll say is two things are true. This format and these flavor notes are definitely a marketing tool, and sure, they, yeah, they definitely absolutely. are something that gets people uh, more emotionally excited about a product. Right. Right. But it's like a sugar high. And I and my argument for me personally, and, sure. and this is a is a guy who is look, I'm a bona fide hardcore dyed in the wool cigar smoker. Mm-hmm. I've literally done everything you can do in the cigar industry. Right. Right. I, I was a, a consumer. I, I became a really hardcore consumer, and I'm not talking about buying and filling up Tupperwares full of collecting cigars. I'm talking about smoking eight, ten cigars. I've, I've smoked tens of thousands of cigars. I've visited factories. Right. I've, I've written blogs. I've been to the trade show 20-something times as a consumer, as a retailer, as a blogger, as a manufacturer, as a brand owner, as an exhibitor. I own a cigar factory. I've bought millions of dollars worth of tobacco. I've blended dozen, you know, right. a dozen cigars. So... I am a real cigar guy. I'm not just a guy who sells cigars and never smokes them. Sure. And there's a lot of those guys. There's a lot of those guys who who love the cigar business, but they don't really like cigars. So I'm saying this as a guy who's a real... I'm saying this from my consumer side. I don't think that the flavor notes, for me personally, have a lot of utility. It, and the, way, the best analogy I had in all these arguments in the Facebook threads okay. was... Let's say I tell you, hey man, have you have you heard Scarface's new Tiny Desk concert, or have you heard this I new? Have no idea. Who that is. Have, have you heard there. Have you heard the new? Um, 
Have you heard the new AZ album? Okay, I don't know who that is okay. either, but I, I, I'm with you. I'm, okay. Go ahead. Oh. So if I if I tell you how great this song is, have you heard My Heart Will Go On from Celine Dion, right? I mean... If I tell you how great that song is, yeah. and I describe to you the, the emotional lift I got listening to that in the movie, and then mm-hmm. later in Las Vegas live, I can explain the lyrics to you and intellectualize it. Mm-hmm. I, which is kind of like what what Halfwell does when they tell you the backstory about a brand and they tell you the who made it and the the insider stuff, right? I can intellectualize it and tell you the lyrics. I can tell you what kind of genre of music it is. You know, mm-hmm. it came from this country. It's this strength profile, whatever. But if I try to describe to you in words the emotional feeling I got from listening to the song, yeah, it's almost impossible for me to sure. do that adequately. And I think the same is true about cigars. Mm. So, I mean, we can get into, like, taste, right? Um, th- there's only really five... There's really there's only four tastes, historically. There's a fifth one that's been added in the last couple of decades. Umami! And then, that, <laughs> and then now there's a sixth one. Mm. So well, Bruce so, Willis, was he invented that. So, t- so taste, the first thing you have to know is there's a difference between taste and flavor. So everybody's talking about flavor notes. So let's okay. talk about taste. The tastes are sweet, salty. Which I love. Bitter, sour, right? And then you say umami, right? And there's a new one, which is fatty, oily. It's, it's kind of a new one that comes from like triglycerides and, and oils, mm. right? So um, that's kind of more of a texture thing than a taste, but mm. it does affect your, your, the, your taste buds. So... The reason why we have a sense of taste is um, evolutionary. Because if it tastes salty or sweet, it's going to have nutrition and it's going to be good for, our, for us. If it tastes bitter or sour, it might be rotten or poisonous. It might kill us. Or it might just be a Negroni. <laughs> and if it has, if it has, and if it has umami, then it's going to have protein. Right. So genetic. So your ability to taste is two things. There's a physical biological factor where how many papillae or how many taste buds you have. Um, and then there are there is the genetic how your body processes proteins into nervous system response. Mm-hmm. OK, so taste works like this. You put something in your mouth. You smell something. The substance activates a protein in your taste bud that generates a specific signal on a specific neural pathway to your brain, to your medulla oblongata specifically. Uh, shout out to, uh, to Tommy, to Tom Lazuka, Tommy, and uh, your olfactory does the same thing through a different mechanism. Uh, your sense of smell translates into uh, into a nervous system response, an autonomous nervous system response which goes into your memory system. It's the deepest part of the brainstem. It's not where you process things intellectually. It's where you process things emotionally or memories. So what the reason why taste exists is so that you don't kill yourself by eating poisonous things or food that's gone rotten, basically. So, But what the emotional response of flavor is the taste connecting to a specific memory. Sure, okay. Right? So... There's also all kinds of chemical and biological things that happen inside of the, the, your mouth and inside of your body, whether you have certain genes or don't have certain genes. 
So people talk about being super tasters, as an example. How many percentage of the population do you think are super tasters? I have no idea what that term means, but I would just guess, based on the term, that not very many. It's about 25%. Oh, that's actually more than I would And it's thought. actually a negative thing. Mm. Because you, while you can, some super tasting comes from, so you're born with about 10,000 taste buds. Your taste buds regenerate every 10 days. But as you get older, fewer of them generate. So when you get to about your mid-20s, mid-30s, you where you're smart enough and adult enough to actually know what to eat and not to eat, your taste buds actually stop regenerating and you have about three to 5,000. And then by the time you die in your 70s or 80s, maybe you have 1,500 to 2,000. Jeez, I'm in trouble. <laughs> so you, your ability to taste over time actually becomes decreases just because uh, you have fewer taste buds. Now, super tasters, some super tasters, their taste buds continue to rejuvenate and they maintain that 8,000, 10,000 number longer in life. Sure. So they physically have more sensors to process the signals, number one. There's actually a gene. Some people have it, some people don't. So if you do a, uh, a gene mapping or a genome mapping, they'll know, you know uh, if you have this, then you are able to taste specifically a very specific kind of uh, bitter enzyme uh, that other people generally can't taste. And the, the equivalent for sound is like dogs can hear frequencies that people can't hear, right? Mm -hmm. So imagine someone is a super taster. Let's, let's say Jose, Blan Jose Blanco or Dion is a super taster. In the case of Dion, what it allows Dion to do is detect things and, and remember so that he can keep his blends consistent. He'll know whether this thing tastes the way it's supposed to taste. Mm -hmm. And he has a higher, he has the ability to taste things that you can't taste. So, so he's getting deeper into the spectrum to know if it, if, if I can't tell that it's, that it's gone wrong, then you definitely can't tell it's gone wrong. Mm. Right. Then you got people like Jose Blanco who, who I, I just trust that he's a super taster, right? The odds are good. And, and he, he can, he will, when he was blending the, the Cuenca and Blanco, he gave me like 10 samples, and I'm like, I swear to God, Jose, these are all exactly the same. <laughs> and he's like, oh, well, you just don't know how to taste, taste tobacco. And right. I'm like, well, I've only been smoking for 20 years. I'm not a taster. I'm a smoker. So, but what I said to Jose back then was, let's say I can compose a song in the frequencies, a, the most brilliant song ever written in the frequencies that only dogs can hear. Then what good is it? Yeah. Because, because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to blend cigars for the other 75%. So, but to bring it back, so what is the point? Like, what, why, why even object? Because it's become performative. Because it, so there was a, in, in, the, in the journal Modern Psychology, they, 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 you know, there's all this thing. And usually the, the, the literature you find around it is around wine tasting because uh, I don't know if you saw the movie about the, the guy who was making fake wine. No. And passing it off to all the experts. He sold millions and millions of dollars of this wine that was he just made in his basement. And he passed it off as like, you know, fifty thousand dollar bottles of wine. And, and and after all that that movie came out, there was all this literature around do people really have the ability to taste? And what they said was the best tasters in the world. Like the guy who's at the Edie's factory smacking sure. the, the spoon to see if the vanilla <laughs> ice cream is good. Right. Those guys can really only taste two or three distinct things. Now, I'm not talking about spiciness, which is a pain response, not a, t not a taste. 
And I'm not talking about texture or temperature. I'm talking about actual flavors, right? So just like the song example I gave you, when a reviewer, you could pick any half wheel review you want as an example, and they go into basically this flavor world, right? Okay. So it's not, it's not cool to say that this tobacco has a fruity component. Uh, or a floral component, right? Because it's not cool just to say sweet or a mixture of sourness and sweetness. You have to say fruity. But then they go into apricot or okay. or you know a specific kind of organic blueberry or whatever, right? Or okay. or if you say woody, and then they're talking about varietals of wood. Now this is more of a this is more of a you know a balsam uh, flavor, not a not an oak flavor. What uh, types of leather? You know, whatever. Sure. This is not saddle leather. This is baseball glove leather, right? At the end of the day, that doesn't help me decide whether I'm going to smoke that cigar or not. What, what, what generally, when I, read a rev- when I read reviewers, what I'm doing is I'm saying, you know what? Eric knows cigars, and he's pretty honest. If Eric says, you know, I smoked this cigar and it was okay, then I'm probably not going to go out on a limb and, and buy that cigar because I, the odds are if Eric doesn't like it, I'm not going to like it. But if Eric says, man, this cigar is really good, it not only has good objective things like construction and sure. burn and or, or whatever, but I really like the aroma. It was notable. It was The smoke production was different. It was notable. And, and, you, and, you, and you list like, you know, maybe I'm crazy, but it had this real uh, – I don't know if it was aged in wood or whatever, or it came from the box, but it had a very woody mm-hmm. finish on it. That's perfectly fine, and oh, that's okay. helpful to me. All right, that's because that's because for good, example, if right? you say if you say scotch and you're describing a scotch to me, and you say this this scotch has a very peaty flavor, sure, that means something to a scotch drinker. Right, either they like peaty scotches or they don't like peaty scotches. Right, or if you say this is a this is a this bourbon. Has you know it was finished in sherry cask, and you can really, really taste that fruitiness or bitterness, f- f- that alcohol fermented out fermentation, mm-hmm. you know, from that finish. That means something because either that's appealing to me or it isn't. But when you start things saying things like it has a sp- specific brands of crackers or cookies, or but those things relate to people that they, they that those flavors they relate. have no utility to anybody no, else. No, that's not true. Like it's all f- it's all fluff. Those things are the things that people can relate to because you went on to describe at the beginning of this conversation how you're you are a cigar guy. You've done you've smoked tens of thousands of cigars. You know all the. The, the 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 tobaccos from all over the world. Well, most consumers aren't that way, so they they do like being able to relate to a flavor. If somebody says that this has, um, you know, plum notes, that's a note that people understand, and but they can. It has that note to you, right? But I could I could give you a, I could give you a stack of of material like this. It says whatever that thing you're calling the plum note is. Uh, Obviously, I'm not going to taste it. Obviously, I, it relates to me. No review has ever said I'm this the, is an objective. I'm the reviewer. <laughs> this is the note that I'm getting. This but, is. But what is that a utility to? I mean, look. At the end of the day, what it boils down to is this is my opinion. Like of course, every, like everything on my personal Facebook. Right. <clears throat> and and it is the opinion of the reviewer. There's no objective standard to the fact that this has a uh, baseball mitt. Sort of, it, it's you're, what you're trying to get across is what you might, you know, smell those aromas, those sort of things that maybe people 
can relate to because they haven't, they don't know what Condega tobacco tastes like. They don't know what uh, Esteli Lajero tastes like. So they need, or they would like, I think, I know I do. I, I appreciate when I get, you know, somebody saying that there's this, it's a white pepper flavor. I get what that, that means. Yeah, but. But nine, but seven times out of ten, the person who smokes it after that guy, the seven, six, five times out of ten, the second cigar out of three that guy smokes, he's not going to get the white pepper Think flavor. How boring, Skip. The reviews would be based on what you're saying. It would be, it would be Look, essentially this. Every cigar would either be woody or it'd be leathery or it would be sweet or you know, this, like, that would be it. This is done in every aspect. It's done. Think about just like cigar aficionado doing an article about. Avo Uvesian, they start the article. They don't just say, we met Avo and he got on a plane. They say, like, you know, Avo walks in, he has the stature of Abraham Lincoln. So you're talking about the Jay Peterman catalog. He sits, he sits on a leather <laughs> yeah. A man chair walks into a bar in Casablanca. All of a sudden, you're, people are visual thinkers. Across the bar, like, he sees a, an old whiskey bottle. To get an idea Listen to of the, the point. environment Come on. that they're in, right? Instead, they could have just said, yeah, we met Abba Vazian. He sat in an airplane. He flew out to Dominican Republic. No, but they get you in the mindset. It's like right. you, you know, you kind of feel like you, you're seeing this guy in your head. Yeah, I can definitely understand that romanticism. Right. I, I am like, more of a pragmatist than, than a romantic, right. number one. That's me personally. I, I will say this. There are, there's, there's different strokes for different folks, right? There are, if, if there are people out there who are generally getting into the – the culture of cigars and being and being built up as cigar smokers because of what these reviewers are doing, mm -hmm. then it's a positive thing for those guys. And I like that there, there, there are a lot of guys who just like to smoke cigars. They don't like to collect cigars. They don't like, they don't like the, the swag. They don't like the, all the, the romanticism and the, the marketing and the sure, bullshit and the extra packaging. They just like the 15, 20, Five, an hour they get on their back porch smoking something good mm -hmm. and that's true there's a lot of those guys who are think the way i do and you sure. can see from the responses in the post they're like amen you know that's such butch bullshit it it's like it, it's it's just a balance so so if if there are people who feel like maybe i'm just not really part of the cool guy cigar culture because i don't get flavor notes maybe they need my voice to yeah. say hey i'm a legitimate cigar guy and i'm telling you i don't I don't talk about cigars that way. Um, but I, I don't want to do it in a way that turns off the people where that is a positive thing for them. Sure, yeah. Right. So how how would, let's just do a practical example. Um, let's say the cigar that you're smoking right now. Um, how would you uh, describe it in the way that you think would be appropriate? So the the first thing that I would comment on is that they're a little bit overhuman because they were only made about four weeks ago. Um, so if I were to check it with a little thing, it, it probably has too much humidity. Um, particularly the wrapper is a little overhumidified. You can see from this black line here and kind of the way it's burning. Um, so I take that into account when I'm tasting it because mm -hmm. when you're blending cigars, you're smoking fresh tobacco, right? So you have to know what sure. this is going to taste like when it's, Somewhere down the line, right. Um, the second thing I would say is, but you're just—I I want my, you to describe it to somebody else, right? Right. I, I describe it like a scientist, not like a. But you a have to describe it like in Don, such a way that they'll understand it because they <laughs> might not know what under 
under the, the only uh, guy that's gonna tobacco appreciate is. that is the is another farmer oh, okay, or another factory owner. If if I was trying to convince him to smoke it, I would say I've been smoking cigars a long time. This is a good cigar. You should smoke it. And it's worth the $8 they're going to charge you. And okay. then you could form your own opinion. That's what I would say. Okay, but reviewers obviously can't do that. There would be no such thing as cigar reviews. <laughs> well, if that was the, the extent maybe that's kind of, the, of the description. Well, <laughs> here, here's another thing I would say. The altitude and the, uh, and the, and the atmosphere here in Denver okay. changes the way you taste cigars. That's true, oh, totally. and Steve Saka has made that point. But but tell me what the flavors are so I understand what that cigar that you're smoking is like. It, it would be like me trying to explain to you how I feel about My Heart Will Goes On. So you can't whatever. describe it? No, I could just... It, it, so if it, this is a blending sample. as in, it, This is not. This is the finished blend. Okay. But but when we were blending this, I would say, you know, the problem, w the problem with this is it's got too heavy of a... Of, of a of a Nicaraguan uh, heavy heavy note, like a bass note to it, earthiness or woodiness. Okay, it needs it needs something sharp, higher frequency. It needs something a little bit bitter or a little bit more mm -hmm. sweet, right, to balance that out. And so let's take Condega out. Let's take the Condega Lajero out, and let's put this other Dominican Corojo I know, tobacco but, in. But you're what you're describing. That's exactly how I would describe. I it. know, but what you're describing is. How you want to change this particular cigar? What I, what I'd like to know? Okay, what's what, what is the cigar that I'm smoking? The Il Nono. Okay, here's how I would describe the cigar. Okay, um, I really like this cigar because you know what? Like right off the bat, I get a salted peanut flavor, and I love that flavor. That's one of my most favorite notes in a cigar. It's like when you get um, uh, peanuts at the baseball game, and you're breaking them open. And you're getting some of the salt from the from the shell, but then you're also getting that nutty note from the peanut. Like that is a flavor I could understand and describe to Scott over there, and he might be able to r relate to that. Well, you've just sold him a, a, a an emotional appeal. Exactly. Right, but but that is what it tastes like. I mean, there is well, definitely. I I don't taste peanuts or. Salt, but wouldn't that be the same thing as him just recommending it to Scott? Either, I've smoked in either dozens circumstance, of that. I Scott could, is gonna smoke that cigar because uh, my dad recommended it to him, right? If you had said it tasted like dank cardboard, yeah, what you, whether it tastes like that or not, what you've been we, what you've been doing is is expressing a negative thing. So I would have taken the negative. Not but why the is it negative? Dank, I mean, dank cardboard is, I, right. is no, not but, good. But dank cardboard is a I descriptor remember, uh, that I would use. I'll make a comment here if I can. Aficionado said that about a Gurkha one time, and it was my favorite thing. <laughs> the, the observation that I'm getting here is, is Skip kind of observes flavors in regions and types of tobacco, which me as a consumer who knows nothing about any of this stuff is all foreign language to me. So really what Eric is doing is trying to put these flavors that you've to kind of view in a different way into, you know, well-known terms, you know, salted peanuts. I can, and it's kind of the power of suggestion too. Power I of suggestion might, is a very important. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like I might not get that if I'm just not thinking about it and smoking it, but I do think it is fun for some people to kind of play along, smoke a cigar, read the review and be like, Oh, I, I do kind of get that and unlock these new associations in their mind. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that either. People put that as a negative. There's absolutely nothing wrong with if that suggestion gets you to feel that as well. You feel it, whether whether it was manufactured by this guy saying it and then you got it, or 
or or you actually would have gotten it anyways. It doesn't matter because either way you got it. But I already said that. I already said if if he genuinely feels that way, and that descriptor that you gave gets him to be more engaged and it enhances his experience of smoking that right. cigar, then it's a positive. I know, but but my point is for me, for me, it has no utility. But for what I'm saying is it, you you wouldn't do that for him. You're saying you wouldn't say that. You would just say. No, this I, is a I good would cigar. not. I would not. Well, that's Skip, what you just said. You can, just said that I would just say this is a good cigar. You should smoke it. It's can, eight dollars. Can comparisons be right. drawn between dissimilar things? For instance, yes. Okay, a couple weeks ago, I, I'm at Disney, right? Uh-huh. I'm at uh, what's the giant shopping mall at Disney called? Uh, Springs. Disney Springs, right? They have Bonita Springs, like yeah. the coolest Lego. The, all their stores are like the coolest version of any of these stores, right? So they have the coolest Lego store that there is out there. And out front is a giant Lego build of what looks to be a dragon, a guy fighting a dragon. There's just fire coming out of the dragon's mouth, hitting the guy. I would say uh, they made this Lego statue that looked like a guy fighting a dragon. You would say they made a giant statue that looked like a bunch of Legos. No, I would say exactly what you said. Okay. okay. Yeah, but, but we're not talking about taste. We're no. not talking about flavors. In any of your senses, you can draw comparisons between dissimilar things. What what if I said to you I got a uh, I, I, I got shirt, a, wait this, shirt, I, this is your favorite Christmas shirt <laughs> what does it feel like to me I'm going to use general descriptors like it feels a little bit rough it feels a little bit cheap okay right thank you now it's your favorite <laughs> you you might say you might say it feels comfortable it feels like Christmas right okay I might say it's itchy right, right whatever. But I'm not going to say it feels like the pelt of a newborn piglet but what if in you Wisconsin. Had felt, what if you had felt that before and, it, and you knew what that actually felt like? You might actually say that. Yeah. If I was trying to sell you a cigar or convince you that I'm smarter than you about clothing, maybe I would do that. But you have already said that you're smarter I'm about saying, tobacco I'm than more, most people. No, I'm more you experienced. Went through, right. You went through the, the deal. And 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 you have smoked a million times more cigars than me. You've uh, tried tobacco. You've made a factory. All of that I totally appreciate. Like th- that means a lot to me. What well, you're saying. Well, you have to know I'm not a salesperson. It's not my job to sell cigars. Right, but you're. But we're talking about what you said on Facebook. So yeah, and that, I was given, and that I'll, I'll tell you what triggered me because yeah. I get triggered. All right. I'll tell you what triggered me. What triggered me is I read a review. Okay. And I actually sought out this review. Like I saw, I heard heard something about a cigar or I saw something about a cigar. So I Googled this cigar because I wanted to see what people I trusted thought about this cigar because it intellectually, it was the story behind the brand, mm-hmm. who made it, the history of how it came about. Okay. All those things were interesting to me. So I went to read the review and I read the first part of the review, and it was, hey, here's the history and all this intellectual stuff, like the lyrics. And I said, yeah, that's great. That's really cool that there's some thought put into this. Then I, then I read the, who made it and you know, kind of how it came about. I like that. Then, then I skipped completely to the bottom, and I read the bottom uh, you know, 87. And this, this, this cigar is a tale of three cigars. The first one was amazing. The second one, you know, had burn issues, and the third one just had this horrible flavor. And I was like, well, that doesn't jive with what right. I know about the guy who made those cigars, right? So I'm, I'm interested, and then you just basically fucking ruined it for me. <laughs> so I said, okay, unlike I normally do, I'm going to go read the whole review. 
And this is a half word review if you can't figure it out yet. Okay. So I read, I, I go back and read the review. And it's a, fir- it's a typical performative first, third, second, third, third, third. It's like, it's like there's like a mold, right, right. of reviewing. So I re- review, and I know, honestly, I know that this is true. The people who review cigars at Half Will, whether you like them or don't like them, they um, put their real, honest, ob- objective, ob- and their real, if they say it, they're not incentivized by anything else. They're putting what they really believe. Right. Which is subjective, but they're, I counted, what you're saying is their... It's their honest take. Yeah. It's their honest take. Yeah. I read, there was like 30-something taste descriptors. Okay. Right? And by the time... So there would be like this nuanced taste, this nuanced taste, this crazy thing I never heard of. And then, and then there's a sentence about something like it tasted linear and bland. And I'm like, how the fuck did you get 30-something different <laughs> flavor descriptors out of a cigar that tastes... Okay. Like- yeah. Now, what you're bringing up, though, is a specific you instance. Go, you can go too far with it, but that's yeah. a personal would, choice. I'm like, telling you, I was triggered. Wouldn't you, I was triggered. Wouldn't you say, though, Skip, like, we have some type of scale here. Let, let my arms try to do the scale. <laughs> we have some type of scale here. We have the, not nearly enough descriptions. And then on this side, we have way too many. Like, well, what you're saying well, is. Well, I think there's three different types of smokers. <laughs> there's there's the, you're, you're starting out. Or maybe you're not even just starting out, but there's the guy who says it's good or it's not good, right? Yeah. There's the guys that like, I like it, don't like. There's it. the guys like us that put in the flowery descriptors, and then there is the industry farmer slash factory owner that talk to each other in uh, lots and primings, right? So the, the, I think okay. those are the three ways you can people describe cigars to each other. And I think what you're what you're saying is in this particular review, uh, you found their descriptions to be unhelpful. They have no utility for me. Right. But what concerns me more is that if I go into a wine store, I'm not a big wine guy, but if I go into a wine store and I say, look, I don't know a lot about wine, but here's here's three things that I know. I don't want to spend over $50. Okay. I want it to be something that people are kind of a little bit impressed by because I'm bringing it to a dinner party. Okay. Um, I don't like really, really fruity, sweet wines. But I also don't like wines that are really dry, that, you know, dr- whatever dry means. That has a meaning to me. I assume it okay. means the same to you, right? And the guy goes goes into his whole 38 taste descriptors. I'm like, okay, listen, bro, you didn't <laughs> listen to a word I said. Give me three options that, that, that are in this thing. Mm-hmm. Tell me personally if you've drank it and which one you would buy, and I'm going to trust you, right? Like, here's a wine that I know that I really like. Do you like that? Okay, you like that? I like that. So I'm gonna trust you. Right, that's great. Right. So, but if the guy goes into his his uh, if he puts on his his bullshit cap, right. and starts trying to romance me into buying a, a eighty dollar bottle of bullshit, right. uh, I'm like, you know what? I'm out of here. And then, but, and then maybe I'm like, this is why I fucking hate the wine store. But Skip, you have to be fair here because the the cigar reviewer doesn't have every single person reading the review right in front of him where they can have this discourse that well, you're describing. Well, well, here's another thing. The, the Just the idea that you're reviewing my work, yeah, and I am a decades in the game, mm-hmm. 100% dedicated to quality, and if I put my name on it, I know that I love it, Right. and you're going to give me your subjective opinion on my thing, 
It's like it's like you interpreting my painting. But skip every single it's consumer. It's like it means nothing to me. Every single <laughs> consumer that buys your product is going to do exactly what you just said that well, you don't want. Well, what I and I'm trying to change that. Well, that's uh, what, ridiculous. I'm trying to go against the tidal wave. I'm trying to go. Against, <laughs> what I'm trying to tell people is you don't you don't have. I'll give you I'll give you a quick uh, example. Davidoff. Okay. Objectively. One of the best cigars on the planet. Yeah, I just smoked one for the show. The the, uh, the science and art and the level of perfection that yeah. goes into everything they do absolutely is the, of the highest level. Right. Higher, higher than I can achieve. Right. Uh, honestly. There are not very many Davidoff cigars that I really like. Hmm. I just got a cigar in Standard & Twain, the worst cigar I've smoked in six months. I told the guy who owns Standard and Twain, I said, I'm not even going to look up what this is yet, but it's horrible. And he told me a whole story, backstory behind that. And it was the Avo Cinco. But generally, Davidoff, highest level of objective quality possible. The, the tobacco is highest level quality, et cetera. Um, I almost like none of it because I don't subjectively like the taste of the tobaccos that they use, that kind of mushroomy, moldy flavor. Oh, so it's mushroomy oh, moldy. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say. That's... I'm not gonna say a specific kind of mold got no... or, or or talk about Japanese shiitake. But you don't need to. You don't need uh, to grown get in, that specific. In, the in fact goat that, you, manure. that you just described it as mushroomy and moldy that resonates right. with me. I understand what you're saying. You're not saying this tastes like uh, Yamasa tobacco exactly. that was in this particular and, lot. And, 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 and I'm saying general descriptor. There's a, like you said, there's a difference between going overboard. Oh, yeah. my, my point is objecti- objectively a great cigar. Subjectively, I like none of them. If I'm a reviewer, am I going to review the new Davidoff cigar that I know has San Vicente tobacco in a flavor that I really just don't like? Well, if you're am a I reviewer, gonna do that you got to review what... Am I going to do that justice? You want to review what you... You know, you review the good okay. and the bad. You the review ugly. the good, the bad, and the ugly. On the flip side, yeah, Padron, mm-hmm. objectively not good cigars. Objectively, objectively, no, that's ridiculous. It's a hundred percent true. No, As a cigar makes, is, listen, that is not true. Listen, Skip, that <laughs> is absolutely not true. This is my, this is my professional. You can't say that that is an objective okay, truth. Listen, the tobaccos are not aged. They're packed wet, under under fermented. They're, they use a lot of batoon and mat- processing material. Th- they have underfilled cigars very frequently. The packaging is bl- bland and boring, not high quality, right? Well, a lot of times you have, you have glue on the wrapper because the person putting the, the label on got it onto the cigar. Objectively, you could look at a Padron and go, if you, didn't, if you were from another planet and you didn't know any better, <laughs> you would think that that's a cheap cigar. But I love those cigars. <laughs> They're simple. They only have three or four kinds of tobacco. Whatever it is about them, Skip, subjectively, I love them. You know, you're sort of like one of those toys that you get when you're little, and and, <laughs> and they're kind of rubbery with water in them, and like you think that you have it, but then it, s- it slips out of your hand. Like you're, t- you say one thing. Well, I'm using this and example, then, and then no, you, I'm, I'm and using then you this, just flip it on its head. I'm using this example to to make a point, which is, which is as a professional cigar maker, I would be embarrassed to make cigars like a lot of the Padron cigars come out that I buy. I just bought a box just a week ago of $25 cigars that used to cost nine. Right. And are, but I love them. They're always exactly the same. However, they achieve that. I open the box. 
inside of one box, there's multiple different colors. There's patches on cigars. There's labels that are crooked. There, there's, there's underfilled cigars. There's, um, you know, just ugly wrapper. And I go, why did, why did I just buy twenty dollar, pay twenty dollars for this cigar that I know cost half as much to make as my cigars? But then I'm like, I light one, and I'm like, I love this cigar. <laughs> Right? So it's not a bad cigar. So, so my point is, do you love it or not? I don't know, but but I can, but I could not get away with making cigars the way they make cigars. Okay, and I cannot achieve the level that Davidoff makes because there's no way a consumer, generally, consumer is going to pay the amount I would have to charge to make cigars the way Davidoff makes them. I would have to go buy farms. I would have to get labs. I would have to manage seed banks. There are things that I just can't achieve. Right to get that level of objective excellence, but it doesn't matter because I don't like the way they taste. Right, yes. that's your subjective so you're, you're opinion. Ta- you're saying objective, but I don't know if it's actually objective. Uh, you're only going by the traditional standards of no, what is no, objectively good no, tobacco. The, no, wait, hold on, hold on. No. So, like, in a beer analogy, would be like um, it was always thought that like hazy was objectively bad. You wanted a clear beer. And so uh, eventually in the East Coast, they said, no, that's no. not objectively bad. Let's make a hazy beer. And that became it was a, it was popular. It's a good beer. Like, no, so fil- filtered or not filtered say, has nothing to do with objective how quality. How can you now say ob- objectively that that was bad or good? Because it's just what. No, what, what I'm saying is a good if, taste. What, no, that's a bad example. I don't think it is. Because because unfiltered beer was traditional beer. It, when it got filtered, it was a higher it was presumed it was a higher level quality because they went through an extra step of processing that cost money, right? A Hefeweizens have always been cloudy. There's been always been classes of beer that are cloudy. But the American clear rice, cheap horse piss, Budweiser, Pilsner, it, that is not objectively good. If you made a hazy IPA from the East Coast in the 90s, they would say objectively this is a, ba- this is a bad style. Who's they? Now, when you say uh, the beer when, professionals, you described like, it as horse piss, and we none of us have drinking horse piss, but we mm-hmm. all kind of know what you mean. Exactly. I mean, says the guy who's wearing a PBR sweater. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> look, I mean, look. Here's the thing: any any serious, and I and I have my people I trust that that, that have standards. I mean, uh, I'm trying now, to think. I'm trying that, to think of that, a filtered, that. unfiltered example in tobacco would be tobacco that has um, batoon as an example. I there are tobaccos. I don't personally use these kinds of tobaccos, but there are cigars that are made with tobaccos that that use batoon, and it makes. I mean, the guy that works for me, Alex, who maintains our inventory, he is a perfect example. He he is like a fanatic for batoons of processing tobacco. You can say it is is not the purest way of fermenting tobacco, but you but there are whatever my father is doing to some of the, their tobaccos that keeps that level of consistency that they have. There is, it, I love the taste of that. Mm. There's a there's a there's a processor in the Dominican that uses molasses. You can't taste the molasses, but you can kind of smell it at certain stages. Mm. But it definitely creates a flavor that I really like. Mm. Can you say that that's a bad thing objectively, I don't know. Is at, when you cook, people who use different spices or whatever is not right. But uh, earlier, it sounded like you were making the opposite case for Padron. Well, there are people who use batoons to create consistency, enhance flavors, and there's people who use batoons and dyes to to so they can homogenize cheap tobacco and make it look better. Okay, but it loses its like people who cook tobacco. 
uh, Arapuraca is a perfect example of a tobacco. It's not very aesthetically pleasing, but and it takes a long time to ferment cr- properly. But you can cook it. The problem is if you cook it, you lose the thing that makes it good, in my opinion. Right. Right. Well, I mean, um, ultimately, Look, it's all part of the discussion. Right. No, that's this is why we wanted to, right. to talk about it. It's fun. I love talking about this kind of <laughs> stuff. Are you kidding me? This is great. I would say, um, so so when when you talk about tobacco with you know your your peers your buddies and and stuff like that you have a level that is higher you're able to say you know um i can tell that this has been overcooked i can tell that that that, that. i'm probably like a four out of ten i don't know in terms of knowledge probably higher than that i mean based on what you said earlier there are people every day i feel stupid like you know if i go what I honestly, when I go in, I try not to say something to pretend like I know something, and I try not to buy tobacco that's bad. And and I, and I, you know, I have I have said to to people, I've said, I hear what you're saying, but I don't get it. Right. And I love this tobacco. Right. And that's all that matters to me. Right. So you're telling me that it's this problem or that problem or this problem. I like it. And in the process right. with Ernesto. That happened a lot. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Ernesto said, this binder's not good. Whatever, it's it's under fermented, and it, da, 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 it'll never work out. It's gonna take us six months to get it right. And I'm like, I, I love like it. it. <laughs> yeah. Well, didn't you when you were making the baca? Um, th- maybe this is an example. Maybe it's not. Um, the the Cameroon that most people didn't want, you liked, and it, you wanted that Cameroon on the baca because you liked that flavor. Well, and I think a lot of like darker, like I'll, I'll give you an example, Ecuador, Connecticut. There's a grade of Ecuador, Connecticut called LB or light brown. It's the least desirable kind of Ecuador, mm. Connecticut. It's the one I like the most mm. because to me, it has the, consistently the least amount of bitterness. You know, that, that weird Ecuador, Connecticut bitterness. And grassy. But the reason why people don't like it. Grassy, in case you guys want to know what it tastes like. Grassy! I'm going to throw out the term grassy. Yeah. <laughs> So it, it's like that uh, there's a there's a sound clip of Bill Burr saying it tastes like sm- smoke, you fucking asshole. <laughs> I, I get, you know what? Uh, just on that point, but we'll take a little side note. I get Time lots, mark. lots of guys say it, it just tastes like a cigar. It tastes like a cigar. I, I just get a cigar and that's fine. Like, well, generally, people ask me what it tastes like. I say it doesn't suck. That's yeah. what I generally say. Yeah. And when I think when we're talking, you know, like guy to guy or, or guy to girl that's smoking cigars that is completely understandable right right like you would, might just say like i don't like this but when you get to a review and i i i'm sounding defensive for reviewers because that's what we do um we can't just write reviews that just say it's a good cigar like there has to be more to that you have to try right. to describe it when you well, say because most I, of the cigars out there they are Good. I bought a. Uh, I think. Yeah, these days. Yeah, I bought sure. a 2014 uh, Challenger uh, Hellcat, and it sounds <laughs> like thunder, right? I I need to describe it in such a way, you know. I can't just say it, it sounds like a V8. I hear what you're saying. You know, I'm just telling you, as a consumer, as a consumer, I probably listen to more podcasts and blogs than 98 percent of the people in the world, right? <laughs> Cigar blogs probably more than ninety nine point nine percent of the world. I I consume I, when I'm working and I do a lot of work on the computer. I am constantly listening to blogs. I review. I, I I have like ten or fifteen different 
review sites that I go to on a regular basis. I'm assuming Cigar Dojo is one of them. Um, the thing from the dojo that I, <laughs> uh, didn't want to, uh. I used to have the app, but the app doesn't work the same for me anymore. Well, now you got to go to dojoverse.com. Yeah, it's I don't go brand, to the what, what I do. New. What I do get from the dojo a lot is is I um, I get a lot of those the, when people post the cigars they're smoking. They like, share it. Yeah. yeah. And, and and if I see the same, I see the dojo ones a lot. I'll go, oh man, there's, I've seen five of these today, right? Um, I'm not. By the way, you said I'm going to take an issue with you. You said yeah. Baca, you said Baca was a failure. No, I didn't. No, he didn't. I swear no. to God. No, no, he did not say that. I, here's here's what I we bet, said. I bet you five hundred dollars. Here's what we I said. I bet you five hundred. I bet you the cost here, of my plane ticket. Here's I've, here's I've, what we I'm said. I'm producing this. I've been that paying during the stock the, the cigar stock market when you said a positive thing oh, about us. Oh, we're talking about a different episode. Oh, during I got the, during yeah, the cigar stock market. You said. Wow. So he really does listen. I do. You said, you know, other than Baca, which was a failure, right? We'll have to go back. Okay. Can I describe to you why? That was probably said. Are we going to go, go into flavor notes or are we going to no. go into... Okay. I'm, I'm going to describe what that was probably said. Because okay. that was the most anticipated cigar that, that there was that year. Because we don't do new brands a lot. Right. You don't do new brands a lot. So everybody wanted that. And then you had about five sizes at the trade show. You gave me a, a big size of it. And it was absolutely phenomenal. It was Phenomenal. phenomenal. And, and and I wanted that to be the number one cigar of the year that year. Right. But the but the cigar that came out was the smaller size, and it just it didn't match because all the sizes taste different. Okay, so yeah. that is ex- that is an objective reason why that was said. So objecti- and I think that was fair. So objectively, um, we sell a hundred percent of our Baca production. We make as much as we can. Great. And we sell a hundred percent of it. It is our most expensive cigar with our most margin, and we sell 100% of it within one week of every time we open up ordering. But what I'm saying So commercially, you, objectively, it is not a failure. Okay, great. And, and, and that's, it was a disappointment. And that's amazing, maybe, but it, it, it didn't end up being the number one cigar for most people. Well, I like the smaller ones more than the bigger ones. And, and objectively, subjectively, I'm sorry, right, right. I liked that bigger one that you gave me. I thought it was absolutely a banger. That's what she said. And then <laughs> when, when it came out... It, that was it, my nickname it, back in college. It wasn't the same as that, <laughs> and therefore, for me... It so, failed so, to meet my expectations. So I bought the wrapper for that from Gilberto <laughs> Oliva. He then sold to Oliva. He sold to Fred at um, Jay, Jay Cortez. I am trying to buy more wrapper from Marifel. I can tell you the wrapper for that cigar is 10 times more expensive than, I believe than any other wrapper. Yeah. So, and the, but the tobacco from Marifel... One is, in a million, baby. Is five times <laughs> five times better. <laughs> but but the rapper we got <laughs> the rapper we got from, from That's Gilberto inside baseball, Jordan. Sorry. Was all real small. And so we could only make the small cigars I I, at scale. I, I get the, the I get the challenge that was presented. The point is is based on the expectation compared to the um fulfillment that year right it, it it failed to meet the expectation i think that was a fair yeah okay criticism it's not a failure 
<laughs> it was a disappointment. You were disappointed. How do you like well, it when you have know. the guy on the show that makes the cigar? <laughs> yeah, he challenges you, and then you you have to you have to like uh, stand like, up for your position. This is the yeah. second time in like three weeks that that's happened. Matt Booth came on a couple weeks ago. And he yeah, was like, yeah, you guys saw. Well, but here, hey, let me let me ask you a, let me ask you a whole new a new topic. I know okay. we're probably over time, but I want okay. to ask. I want to. This is something I've. This is my newest rant. Oh, good. I like oh, it. So, let's go. Let's go. I'll, let's do it. So, um, trademarks. Oh. Okay. So. Gurkha Sue's yeah, This made me think of this. Okay. And, and I actually have a conflict with someone right now over a trademark. So, when I make brands, and I don't know how other people make brands, but the way I make brands is I find tobacco that I think is interesting. I create a blend that I think of what a good brand that's going to fit it. Sometimes I have brands kind of floating around that I, that I want to do. So I'll go, I'll go register the trademark. So it costs me to register a trademark. It costs me about $6,000. Okay. Because you have to register in the United States. You have to register in Nicaragua. You have to register in the UK. You have to register. He's smoking the, the winnings. The <laughs> raffle. Don't, don't give away. <laughs> okay, keep going. You have, to smoke it in, you, have, you have to register it in uh, Asia if you want to. And then you have to register it in, register it in the EU through what they call the Madrid protocol okay right so it cost me about six thousand dollars to register a trademark right when you register a trademark it says hey i'm going to use this trademark and then you actually create the product and you say okay now i have the actual product so i'm gonna send you pictures of it and then you market or commercialize it and then you say i'm actually commercializing or selling this product in these regions right right but you but if i go through the process of creating the art and creating the labels for me to so we're creating Cro Magnon Pennsylvania, the UPC labels, the labels, the boxes, the cliches, the all that stuff. Yeah, is probably about eighty five thousand dollars. Right. Okay. So if I go print all that stuff and if I go do all that work, and then I put it in the market and then I go try to register the pra- trademark and find out that it's fucked, mm. I I'm in a I'm in a hole. Right. Okay. So my process is always as soon as I have an idea for a trademark that I know I'm going to use, I trademark it. Okay. So I have two trademarks right now that I've trademarked before anyone else ever used them. The other people use them before mm. they ever trademarked it. Still do not own the trademark because I own it. Right. So so I actually kind of hinted to this product and I said, "Hey, here's the thing that we're coming out with." And they said, "Oh, well so and so in 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 Portugal has this brand. Right. And I said, well, I, I registered this trademark and I actually own it, mm. uh, in set, you know, in seven different places all over the world. Well, th- well, you're just copying them. Mm. It's like, well, I had no idea they were <laughs> doing right. this. Right. Right. So, so here's the question. So I go to the guy and I say, listen, you're marketing this in Europe in a cheap bundled cigar. Um, I'm going to use it. Right. But here's what I'll do. I don't want to be accused of copy, copying you. If you pay me the $6,000 I've got invested so far in this, right? and then you pay the extra 6000 to, or, you don't even have to pay 6000 Now it's only an $800 on top of that to transfer the existing marks to you. Okay. If you. If you pay my attorney $6,800, then I will just give it to you. Mm. I've, been, I've been going back and forth with this guy for two years. To get him to pay that sixty eight hundred dollars, and he's a, a millionaire, mm. he, you know, and he refuses to do it. Take him down. So now here's what's going to happen. 
So what's going to happen is I'm going to come out with this product and I'm going to invest the money because I own the trademark before he ever commercialized the product. And then he's going to start the whole blog. There's going to be consumers saying, well, Skip's copying somebody else, Mm, whatever. So then what do I have to do? I have to go to court. And at the end of the day, lawyers are going to make a lot of money. And at the end of the day, I'm going to win because I own the mark. Right. But all of that could have been avoided. But but if the guy just said, you know what, you're right. I sh- I should re- I shouldn't be lazy and cheap. I should actually register the marks I plan to use. Right, right. But because I didn't do that, I didn't realize you already own the mark. So I have half the argument. I commercialized a product before you did. You actually own the mark because it was in in production or in in you know right whatever. But but instead, what happens is is it goes. So here's the thing. Gurkha, I, when I had a store in 2006, Gurkha sold the Gurkha Dragons, the Black Dragons. Right. Gurkha's always, Gurkha probably owns as many trademarks as any other company in the cigar business because they just register random shit, right? Like mm. cool shit pops up in culture and they register it in the cigar world, even if they never make a product, right? But they did make dragon products. Now, Davidoff, you're the dragon. They're not the only one that made a. Chinese Zodiac no, yeah, cigar. No, no, lots but of They kind of started it, right? So here's the thing. On one hand, Gurkha does own the dragon trademark. Gurkha has to, to defend their mark or they lose it. So all the money they've put into it, they lose it. Because then it becomes a commonplace used product that you never defended. So what should happen is Gurkha should say, hey, Davidoff, just recognize that I own the word dragon. I'll license it to you for a dollar that you can use Year of the Dragon, and we can settle this. But David, Davidoff, which has billion dollars, is like, you know what, fuck off. Mm, right. We find out, because Sosha apparently didn't, and Sosha didn't, apparently didn't divest in that company, which is an interesting little legal artifact. But I, I absolutely understand why Gurkha had to defend it, but I also don't understand why they're not, Davidoff and them just can't work it out. Right. And I think a lot of people have the same, you know, thought is why can't this be worked out before it gets to this stage? Right. This has happened before. This isn't the first time. What I don't know is I don't know all the backstory. Right. I don't know if they plan to come out with the year of the dragon and Gurkha told them, look, we own dragon. Don't do it. Don't do mm-hmm. it. Right. Right. You and don't they know did that it anyway. Part. Right. So he's like, OK, now you're going to pay me. Right. So I don't know the answer to that. Right. And, and we've we've seen that. Uh, I mean, what was the one last year, Jordan? That was just it was even just like a color kind of thing cao trade dress oh the, um, the mx2 or the M- yeah, 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 mx3 yeah, yeah. right was, right uh, well again it goes back to fuente has spent millions of dollars fighting the X, fighting yeah, the mandavi right. family and everyone else over x right that seems like a harder thing to fight is there any x. likelihood of consumer confusion with those two products no, no not really and also the first time they came out with cx2 and mx2 no one ever said shit to them right so what what would you say is the solution to this problem? Is there one? What what Fuente could easily have done is said, "Look, General Cigar, you've made this product before, but can you at least acknowledge legally, formally that we own X, right? And and license it for me or something for free, just so I don't lose my mark, right? And all the millions I've invested into it. And the people at General should have said, "Yeah, we'll do that, no problem, right? But people don't do that. No, no, because of ego and and whatever. And the only people that win are the lawyers, really. Yeah, that's true. Well, that just kind of gets back to, you know, ultimately the, you know, 
overbearing, you know, government regulation on trademarks is uh, well. Okay, see, that's the you have to have trademarks because what because look look what China does with stealing. Yeah, right. Right. So so intellectual right. property has to be protected. It does cost a lot of money. I mean, look at how much I've invested in Cro-Magnon. Yeah, but some people would make the argument that um, it, it doesn't have to be protected and the, the better product wins. That's not always true. Because, because what will happen, especially with like patents, and I mean, I, I made my money with patents, but the, what happens is the, the person with the most money will, will, will bully you out, mm. right? Um, I'm trying to. Th- I was. I was thinking of an example while you were saying that of. Uh, I've always uh, uh, the word craft is an example, right? We right, had, right, right. No one in the cigar business was using the word craft. The only person that was using anything close was Don Kiki, and he had Craftsman's Bench. And I was in a room with him, and I said, "I want to start a new company. I want to call it Roma Craft Tobacco because I want to build it like a craft beer company, mm. and I want to really emphasize what I." He goes, "Well, what's craft to you?" And I, and I explained what I thought it was to me. And he goes, yeah, you can use it. He goes, I, I don't see how that's a conflict with what I'm doing. Okay. And I said, okay, I just wanted as a gentleman to ask you. Now, after we became bigger, bigger, more and, known, and, and, and you could do probably some analysis, the word has become a lot more commonly used. Even you had an ad today where Espinosa had a craft thing. In her. I don't own a trademark for craft because you can't, you can't, Trademark craft. Too broad. Right. But what I can tell you is consumers in general, when they, we, we have become, uh, eponymous, eponymous, eponymous. Like when you say the word craft boutique cigar guys think of us. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we've done our job. We had enough runway to get out there and say, and we have a craft cigar. Right. Right. So when Perdomo came out with this craft series, it failed. It, fa- it was a failure, right? When Drew Estate did their craft beer thing, it didn't really go anywhere. Um, when people use the word craft, there's probably just as much negative people going, oh, man, you know. But when we do it, we do it unironically and, and I think authentically, and so there's, the equity is in that, right? Mm. Even though I can't protect it as intellectual property. Right. Right. So... What would you say your overall beef is if you could sort of like? Uh, have, is it not Festivus? D- is it dial, not time yeah. for the airing of grievances? <laughs> yeah. Could you could you condense is, this podcast? Is the airing of grievances? <laughs> uh, no, I I do agree with you that that is that is an issue. We've ran into that issue, huh, Jordan, with stuff. Oh, yeah. over the years, um, and had to even deal with colors. Yeah, weird right. stuff trade, you wouldn't expect. Pa- paper, paper on bundles yeah. and things yeah. like that, you know. Yeah. So, it, it, it Barbara pulls cigar. I had someone come to me and say, "Why are you copying our Candela striped cigar?" I'm like, <laughs> I said, I, I said, well, 100. percent I'm going to admit that I copied this, but I'm going to tell you, I copied it from pictures that this guy from Ambrosia Software named Andrew Welch posted in the 90s from the alcove at Fuente. So, if anyone has a legitimate beef that I copied something they did. I copied Carlito Fuente from 1992, mm. not your your factory from five years after we created this. <laughs> right? Isn't it with with uh. land that you like? If you're drawing this comparison to land in the country, you have to actually like maintain it and like keep trademarks it up. are like that. Yeah, Is you have to defend like it. Okay. If it, it, it let's like, let's say you come up with a trademark cigar dojo, 
and or something samurai or whatever. Or do, we'll just use dojo. Let's say let's say um, Altidus decided that they're going to come out with um, you know dojo select or you know the you know um, don't don't shame your dojo or, or whatever the whatever <laughs> it is right. And they came out with that and it looked like a Chinese takeout or whatever bullshit, you know. And they, so let's say they did that. They're one of your advertisers. So if you called whoever the guy is at Altus and said, listen, you know we own this trademark in the cigar world. It is our thing, right? So we're not even talking about the fact that you kind of copied the whole idea of the feeling and everything else. You literally are using the word dojo. You, you can't do that. We own that. And they said, oh, go fuck yourself. And, you know, and so you had your lawyer do a cease and desist and they said, go fuck yourself. If you had enough money to pay a lawyer for eight or 10 years, which would probably cost you four or five, six hundred thousand dollars. You would end up with a humongous check check from all to this. Right. You would win. But you would have to be willing to to lose your advertiser and go fight that five hundred thousand dollar fight. And then they would end up having to pay your attorneys and blah, blah, blah. We um, were we were not able to beat Coca Cola for <laughs> Dojo Chico. We tried, so we just <laughs> like Topo Chico. Yeah, yeah. That was it. Yeah, so. but that was yeah. <laughs> How Brian at Bravada has not had his balls sued off yet is. Yeah, I have no idea who that is. Um, yeah. No, Skip. Uh, <laughs> Skip, I gotta say, uh, what an amazing episode. Uh, that was that was some deep We're dive. Doing real talk. You deep guys. dive. That's do we, do what we, we have any more grievances? Uh, th- that was as, as deep diving as you can get, folks. I hope you guys appreciated that. We certainly appreciate Skip for flying in all the way from Austin, Texas, to hang out with us on Friday Night Herf. What was what was eight year old Skip Martin excited for on Christmas Day? Man, in in the words of uh, <laughs> Christopher Wallace, the notorious Big, Christmas missed us. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I was so poor, and uh-huh. um, generally, were you born a poor black man? <laughs> I was. I was uh, poor and ab- I really was poor and abused. Mm. Um, generally, we would get a new pair of shoes and a coat. That would, that would and I would get the brown one in my. Where did you grow up? I grew up uh, in mostly in Dallas Fort Worth. Oh, okay. So my mother died when I was young. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother went to jail for writing hot checks before I was mm. born. Mm. So then I was adopted. Uh, I was actually not born in prison, but I was born to a woman handcuffed to a bed. Oh, wow! Yeah. Interesting. Jeez. Yeah, and then uh, one of the court officers adopted me. Really? She, she had seven daughters. Um, I was the youngest, obviously. Um, the oldest was 18 years older than me. My mother was killed by her boyfriend, mm. domestic uh, violence, when I was four, while I was holding her hand. Jeez. Shot in the head. Oh, that's horrible. Um, and then um, my oldest sister kind of became my guardian. Mm. And she also had drug and alcohol problems. And we would, basically my life was uh, move into a, one of one one of some guy's house. She met at a bar. He would beat on mm. her, point a gun at her. The sheriff would come get us. I'd get my box of shit. We'd go to, to wow, one of, one of my 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 aunt's uh, shitty uh, slumlord houses until she met the next guy, and then it would repeat. How so, long until that cycle? So just to cheer us up. That, a how bit. long until that cycle though? It's the most. <laughs> <laughs> How long until that cycle sort of ended? Because obviously at some point... So when I was 
when I was 14, I, I got emancipated. Mm. So I 14. Wow. Yeah. So I, um, I kind of hid out at school. So I went to like 60 something schools between K and 12. A lot of them were, were the same school because we would move into one of my aunt's eight or nine houses. So I would, I would go back to the same school six or seven times, but so I, I was never on the same page as everybody else in the school. So I, I would kind of, I was kind of like mm. an independent study. So I, I got ahead. So by the time I was a freshman, I was taking junior and senior level classes and um, I, I had to stay in the same school. And so I had to get emancipated because my sister moved again and I didn't want to move. So then I got, you know, then I ran away and then I had to go to court to become independent. So um, I would say kind of in there it changed. And then ultimately went on to the military. And- yeah. And, and then I went to college and then I went to the Navy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, that's, the rest, you know what, I, you know, as, as, as rough as the story is. Like that is a, a, a awesome story of you know you making the best of your situation. Well, public school, you know, welfare, WIC, food stamps, yeah. free lunch, every public program you can think of. Mm-hmm. I've more than since paid it back. <laughs> yeah, but but if it wasn't but for you, all those and, things, and I, w- I wouldn't. And if I was also, born in Nicaragua, I would have been, you know, in a lot of trouble. And you've also sort of been the Texas guy. Then that was kind of what I was wondering is how you ended up. Yeah. I grew up in Texas and I moved to, to when I was in the Navy, I moved to Florida for power, nuclear power school. And then I moved to South Carolina, then, uh, Connecticut, then Norfolk. What, what brought you back to Texas? What did you like about Texas? Um, I had, when I sold my first company, I had a finance, I had a seat on the board of trade. I had a, a customer who was a high level executive at Dell. My mm. wife at the time, her parents, kind of were sicker and so she wanted to move back to round rock and kind of the dell was the, mm, right. the best place so we left chicago and moved back to to round rock okay wow now let's not forget we have some contest oh. winners to announce oh gosh jordan thank you because i would have <laughs> totally need some tissue here. i would have totally blown that off no that was that thank you for that <laughs> skip that was that, that yeah. was that was a good story by the way it's um that's rough. So uh, that's why I'm a socialist, by the way. Yeah, well, we'll, I'm a capitalist socialist. We'll we'll forgive you for some of this stuff. I'm not really a socialist. Uh, we are going to give away uh, two prizes. Um, I do need some more bourbon, though. Here we go. Oh, jeez. Do we have any more of that block of ice? We've got. Good- I have a bad shoulder. That was rough. Uh, somebody is going to win a box of sun-grown dogma right there. And then somebody... You, what were the flavor notes you got out of that? Uh, this is... Um, this has a cinnamon note to it. Uh, has a very nice cinnamon cabinet spices. You walk into your grandma's cookie uh, closet. Base s- baking spice. You all smell spice. those. Yeah, yeah. And somebody else snap cookie. is going to win a five-pack of the Pensatucky Whiskey Rebellion made by none other than the man sitting next to me. Those got to be four or five years old. Yeah. Right? Lons- we were, Lonsdale. We were trying to figure out uh, the other day what... I, we I think, was that 2019? We could have looked that up, but we're too lazy. 2019? All right, so... 2018 um, or 19? Skip, what we asked people to do was post their Christmas-themed images, and we said, hey, if you can incorporate dojo stuff into it, you might catch our attention. And I have picked uh, 12 finalists, and we will show them one after the other and just kind of like mental note the ones that you like, and we'll kind of go back and forth, and, and maybe we can pick two of these that we feel worthy 
okay. uh, to win the prizes tonight. Jordan, here we go. Now, for some some reason, some of the descriptions didn't get included. Is in these. Terrence video included? In <laughs> no. Okay. He's he's ineligible. Just, I, I don't understand how he doesn't have a Dockers uh, <laughs> uh, a sponsorship. Right? Sponsorship. Yeah. <laughs> he might. <laughs> So first one up, we got Trojan Man. Uh, let's take a look here. Uh, so no description, but uh, he's got the text on there. Merry Christmas, Sensei Claus. He's got me as Santa. I love bad photoshops. I'm always a sucker for that. God, I love bad photoshops. And, and that is him as the elf. So nice, nice work there, my friend. All right, all right, all right. Troy Cullion. Uh, oh, you're an angry Cullinan. elf. What did he say? I can't read it. I guess if uh, I was giving away a box of sun dogs, I'd be angry too. Oh. Merry Christmas. Oh. You're an angry elf. There we go. He's got me in the, <laughs> as an angry elf. It's pretty clever. That's an angry photo too. How do you find that? I know. Yeah. All right. All right. We got uh, T Mac three eighty seven. It's just a Merry Christmas. Do, you know, hashtag Dojo Christmas. Look He's at got that. He's got the. He's got the Whiskey Rebellion on one side there, and it looks like a sun-grown dogma sitting by it. And on the other side, he's got some sassies. Very nice. Oh, yeah. A lot of dojo swag in there. <laughs> not, that's not really swag, but <laughs> I get what you're saying. You know, I had to bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> this is dark. This is a little darker. <laughs> Look who's back in the wrong place at the wrong time. At the right time. Oh, at the right time. Dojo, dojo hard too. <laughs> dojo hard with you and Skip under a blanket. A dozen. I don't know if I. Yeah. Now like that. that was a Chad T. Chad, and he had <laughs> he had a a, do, a dojo hard one a year ago, I think. So this is his sequel. I'm even in this. Oh, this is Die Hard. Yeah. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I got that, which is a Christmas movie. No, it's right? not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Randy Harrison. Oh, nice. No description She's, here. Look at all those coins. She's got dojo coins and a... The dojo little uh, travel case. Yeah. Nice job, Randy. She's always uh, doing great entries for us. All right. We got Ollie Lampy. Oh, look at Lamp this. Look at his cool uh, I like sweater. I like that. That's a nice looking picture. Nice. Motorhead. <laughs> Ken the Scrunt, uh, the gimmick is strong with this one. He could have spoken a gimmick. He, yeah, I like smoking that. a gimmick. Yeah. Right. He could have put that in reverse order, like Yoda would have said, but it's still really good. Mm, that would have clinched the win. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. All right. This is John J. Fumo. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to Dojoverse Sensei Jordan, Skip Martin, and Mike Rosales. Uh, it's a Christmas tree in Florida. Nice. Bada -bing, bada -bing. He's got the uh, Diet Sassy over there. He's got a... What is a Sassy? That's Sassarilla. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So that's our Connecticut version. All right. All right. We got Eric Koss. Look at this one. He, he drew this. Look nice. at that. Happy Holidays, Dojo family. That's pretty good little artwork he did there. I like that. That's AI guaranteed. No, <laughs> not AI. That's, that's no. That's Sharpie. That's yeah. That's so Sharpie. Old school, baby. Old school. That's an etch a sketch. Yeah, yeah. Colin. Here's Colin. I I can't read that drawing. It's too small. But showing off my Christmas spirit of Dojoverse by standing in front of my Christmas tree. I have two cigar dojo stickers on my face. Three cigar, <laughs> three dojo cigars on my cigar dojo sweatshirt, and made a hot chocolate in my favorite cigar dojo coffee mug and i wow, have a dojo nice. cigar in my mouth he's just got everything dojo this wow. is how i take 
Christmas. Seriously, Merry Christmas. He's got the full dojo drip. He's yeah, he's Woof. got ornaments hey. on himself. Ornaments. He's dicked out. Yeah. All right. Good job, Colin. All right. I'm just noting how physically fit the cigar world is. <laughs> We're also Oh yeah. Look at this Krampus. Krampus. Yeah. yeah, look at that. He's got a uh, dojo 10th anniversary box on Perdomo. the Krampus there. Good job. He's, yeah, he's smoking one. See, too. I like how it's he's got the pre-commercialized Christmas version of Oof. Christmas. Mm, yeah. Krampus. And I like the fact that he does Evil Christmas basically like Halloween. Don't they put like kids in bags and then beat them with a stick? Mm, yeah, that's, I yeah like that. you got it. That was more it. like my Christmas <laughs> when I grew up. Christopher Jared, can't oh. wait for Smoke Night Live tonight. Merry Christmas, Dojo fam. He's got the Wagashi and all sorts of Christmas yeah. decor. Nice. Good job, Christopher. By the way, he won last week, so maybe he shouldn't win this week. <laughs> Uh, you guys want me to go through any? Uh, what did you think? Skip any jump out at you? You don't need to I know. I like the you full need... dojo drip. And, okay, and, Colin. And, and, Colin. The, and the Grampus one. Let's let's bring up uh, Colin. Okay. I I so I'm I would I say I mean he committed. I also like the drawing. So the drawing one. The drawing was, one's good too. It was really good. Let's for sure pick Colin. Okay. So then it comes so down. So that it comes drawing. down to I think this. the Grampus one took more effort. I mean, th- I mean that one, the drawing one. The drawing took one. Took more effort, yeah. So who's the drawing one, Jordan? Oh, that was uh, Eric Koss. Okay, so uh, we've got Colin and we've got Eric as the two so, winners. So this guy that has all the dojo stuff, guaranteed he already has a lot of dogmas. He may. So I would say give him the Pensatuckies. I like that idea. And then give the other guy the... Uh, all right, so Colin, you have won... The Pensatuckies, five Pensatucky Whiskey Rebellions from Aroma Cracks. Look at that. And then Eric Koss is the winner of this box of Sun Grown Dogma. Congratulations, you guys, and thanks to everybody for participating. It was, it was, you guys, I gotta say, pretty, pretty good. It was, it was. It was objectively good. It was, it was. It was pretty good this week. There was there was some really really good entries. Back in the day, like there would have been some crazy stuff. We got to get you guys back into the flow of trying super hard on these. Especially contests. now that we've got the AI, nobody did AI. Well, that's nobody okay. did AI. That's right. Yeah, the technology's advanced, but the you effort is reduced. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but the, no. you know, the the good news is the bar is so low. Mm. Like now, if you put a little bit of effort, you right. can really. Come away you with. Went into it. I mean, what is this? Two hundred and forty dollars yeah. or something? You know, that's a nice price. Yeah, you know, it's a nice price. Yeah. All right, guys. On Wednesday, Flavor Odyssey will return. Robbie and Randy will be back. We're going to be talking about what is to come on season seven. Do you have a whole of- podcast about flavor tasting? That's notes. right, baby. That's right. Pairings. And, and, but, I like the pairings. But yeah. all we do is we just say this tastes like Lijero from Esteli. That's all. That's all we say. We say this tastes well, like all malt. the hair from Esteli doesn't taste the same. This tastes like malt right. from San Diego. You know what? I, honestly, listen. This is not. This is. This is not an empty. This is a real deal. Okay. Here we go. Plan. I don't know. The next time you come to Nicaragua, whenever that's going to be. Yeah. What if we if do? If you like come a, for a Perdomo trip or a Drew State or what whatever. What if we do a Roma Craft? Yeah, dojo. We don't really do trips, but here's what I'm saying. All right. Come three or four days earlier. Okay. And stay three or four days later. Oh, I'd love that. Or, or, and, or. Yeah. When you land, if you come early, come to the airport, come to our house in San Juan. We can stay at my house, which is kind of simple and humble. Then we can go see the, the black, uh, James and Angela's new fancy, mm, right. uh, um, yeah. house on the hill. It's beautiful. Mm. 
And then we can drive up to Esteli. Yeah, it'll be fine. And then you can go through the tobacco school. Mm. And you'll come away with that, I think. It'll change the way you smoke cigars. Now well, keep in mind, I would love because it's not a it's not it's not a pick it's not a pick some of these tobaccos. It's really yeah. it's a different approach to 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 learning tobacco. No, I I'm I'm sure I I love that kind of stuff. I've been to a dozen of them, and I love each time I learn something new every, yeah. every time. You know, from Davidoff to General to Perdomo, Perdomo to Drew Estate to Espinosa, all you know, on yeah. and on and on. Camacho. It's, yeah, we'll do it's that. always amazing. Yeah, that'd be great. I would love Are you kidding? I would love that. Uh, a week from tonight, Skip, we return with the Cigar Dojo New Year's episode. And on that episode, Abe DeBabna from Smoke In will be joining us along with none other than Michael Herklotz. The Herks. Of Ferriotego. And we're going to be talking New Year's resolutions. We're going to be talking all that kind of fun stuff that comes along with the new year. Skip, Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Well. Merry Festivus. It was Gosh, amazing having you in studio. For the we, rest of us. We plan to hang out uh, tonight and have some fun with Skip after the show. You guys, grab your phones. Get on Dojoverse.com. Check into your favorite cigars. In fact, I would say dive into your humidor and grab a Romacraft. Do it. Check into Romacraft. Let's jump them up in the standings tonight. Let's have some fun with Romacraft tonight. Tonight is a Romacraft night on Dojoverse. We'll be doing that all night long. We want to see what you guys are smoking and drinking and do a little hashtag now playing. If you were going to do a little hashtag now playing, Scarface, Skip, what guaranteed. would you play? <laughs> uh, music the, 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 the new AZ album. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. I don't know who that is either. But uh, <laughs> Skip will do that. We'll do some now playing here as well. We'll have a ton of fun. Until next week, remember, everybody, never, never smoke alone. alone. We'll see you guys next Friday night. Thank you.